This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 71, Semi's Map Map Analysis. Analysis. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. I know, I know what to do. I know what to do. You got it? Yep. Uh, is it a bit? Because I don't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit. No, we made it. We made it. We're done. It's over. It's over. Okay. The gauntlet. We're done. We made That's it. Fine. It's over. The prelims are over. Uh, Hunter, how do you feel? Well, we just did. We just got done doing five uh, games in. Well, you guys, we collectively did five games. I only yeah, did two. Yeah, and you say we. You say we. Why do you say we, Hunter? That's weird. What's Who's we? It's just you and I. Oh, well, the, today we are joined by our, our guest and uh, not even really, I wouldn't even call him a guest at this point. Uh, that would be, it would Co-conspirator. be- Co-conspirator? Yeah, yeah. Co, uh, co-moderator uh, yep. and presenter of all of the, most uh, most of the good digital uh, like All the videos. good do- digital content. All the digital <laughs> all the content is content. mostly this. I, I'm just pointing this out because all of the ones, Matt, that you have um, released have not gone so well. Um, as um, far as the the videos of the games on yeah, YouTube, they either have not gone well or not, you know, at all. Um, so that's fun. This uh, is too no, long of an intro. Uh, we're talking the, about Alec Keeler. Hey, Alec, right. say hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> We've gotten used to just ranting with Alec for hours and hours on end now. So it was about time to bring him on the episode to see how long we can make this episode go because we're going to yeah. forget. Uh, where the time went. We've right. ranted together uh, for probably a collection of 70 hours. Right? I don't know, something <laughs> yeah. like that. Just yeah. nonstop all, talking. All within like a month and a half. Um, yeah. 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 Pretty, pretty, it's been So our uh, new best friend, ride. Alec. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by law. Um, today we're doing a, we're doing a bunch of things. Um, first things first. We're going to get into a ton of spoilers for the prelims, not just because we're covering the last five games of the tournament, but more importantly, we're going to cover all the prelims. We're going to talk about kind of the statistics we've been keeping and a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about how the prelims went. Uh, more or less, we're done with the prelims map, yeah, right? Prelims I mean, we'll continue to play on it every now and then just because it's kind of a fun map, but it's we're done with its primary use, which means it's time to break it down, but also say goodbye. And to say goodbye... When we're done with all the prelim stuff, we're going to talk about the semis map. So oh, yeah. everyone who's keeping up with the tournament, get ready because we're going to we're going to reveal the map today and we're going to we're going to kind of break down and give all of our really great, wonderful names for the different slices. Yeah. So stay tuned to that. Um, in fact, I think maybe Matt from the future is going to jump in here and let us know what time code you can jump to if you just want to hear about the semis map and want to skip the spoilers. One hour, 49 minutes and 42 seconds. Great, great to hear from you, Matt, from the future. I missed you. Why does your voice sound like that, though? Oh, no. Your voice is all different. Why is it all squeaky? Why is your voice all squeaky, Matt, from the future? Is it squeakier in the future? Apparently, it was so squeaky in the future. Matt, in the future, do you finally hit your period? Oh, your period? I'm going to say puberty. puberty reverse puberty in the future. Um, okay, we have wasted enough time. We gotta, we gotta dig into some games, right? 
Okay, right, no, we yeah, won't. Yeah. No, it's fine. No, 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 we, no, we, we won't. Do. No, let's, no, it's fine. Digging. I don't want no, to. Let's no, start I don't want to. <laughs> no, we should do uh, it. Let's do uh, the first What's things the first, first game? then. Game 14, which Hunter, uh, Alec, and I need to tell you all about it. Yes, tell me. I am the audience. Because you were not there Friday night. Were you there Friday night? I don't remember. I was there for a minute. years ago. And then he got distracted by Rocket League. Yeah, oh, yeah I you, play- did. you left a couple times for Rocket League. Right. I played Rocket League. And uh, let me tell you a little bit about how that went. Um, <laughs> okay, I hadn't sure. played Rocket League in two years. And I'm still, I'm all right. Hunter's still pretty, pretty decent. <laughs> turns, pretty out it's kind, turns out Rocket League's sort of like riding a bike, you know? Uh-huh. Well, um, game 14. Uh, let's, let's go over the factions, right? Because this one was, the draft was just like, more than usual powerful factions getting through um like sar got left out in favor of mentac that's one of my notes but uh here here's what the uh here's what the final draft was we had trevor as mentac in little and tight we had mike as the federation of soul in fast and cultured one of the few soul games brad as barony in big and tight that's fun to say uh paul as asarl in darien slice one of the few games with asarl not in dangerous diplo we had Leon as Nalu in Dangerous Diplo, and we had Barney as the Hakan in Slice of the Gashlight, also one of our few Hakan games. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Cool. Well, so, how was it? This game, to give a pretty brief synopsis of it, was defined by the fact that Soul was in the game uh-huh. and didn't mess around, came to party. Uh, Soul took a very, very early lead, got to like five points really fast. Um, but then spent one round just getting completely attacked by basically all their neighbors and everyone. Uh, and then things slipped for them. They had some bad judgment, which gave um, Barony the room to pull ahead. And essentially it became this weird like uh, hot potato thing of Barony, Asarl, and then Soul still coming back in. Right? Like, Sol Sol got knocked down, but with their early lead, it solidified their position enough to where, in the end, Sol did end up winning. So we had one Sol victory in this tournament in one of the very, very few games Sol made it into. Yeah. That's Um, cool. I'm I'm trying to think of, like, what I could say to, like, define the Sol strategy here. But more or less, like, they did the Sol thing, right? They they took Mechatol Rex. They took Imperial (laughs) Round 2. And, like, they got a bunch of points and carried that through to the late game, and it was enough to, to save their late game. I don't yeah. know, Root, what, what, do you, what would you say is, like, anything else of, like, heavy note to, like, why Soul ended up with the win in this one? Oh, man. Um, I think it kind of ended up being one of those things where they, they jumped ahead, got knocked down a peg, and then ignored. And, yes. and I think we've seen that kind of a lot. Um, where right. people are like, oh, they're a threat. Uh, oh, we stopped them from being a threat, and they're never going to be a threat again. Completely right. out of our <laughs> and then, and then, yeah. And then people frequently kind of claw their way back from that and yep. and surprise people with a win. And I think that's pretty much exactly what happened with him this time. Yep. I remember the beginning of this game, actually. I remember mm. watching it uh, because I was very excited about uh, Soul being in the game. But I, so, because I was like automatically, if somebody picks Soul for some reason, uh, I'm them, basically. I just pretend that I'm <laughs> right. playing. I'm their brain and now. That I'm, yeah, that I'm playing as them. And we differ a lot. Uh, it's weird that that uh, Mike did, I feel like the, he did it right. Like he went for Mechatol, but I felt like I wasn't seeing enough 
orbital drop, and I was really worried for him. Yeah. Like I yes. wanted him to yeah, win. That's true. But like he wasn't doing much. It wasn't doing much of that. Um, and it felt like his tech path was a little weird. I can't remember what mm -hmm. happened, but there was something he did round one with tech that yes. really flustered me. And I don't remember what it was. Um, which is pretty much it's useless for um, me to say. I'll see I don't if know because they got around. gravity drive. They got gravity drive right away. Um, but yeah. they didn't really use. Uh, they ended up no, because they they positioned themselves to take Mechatar X as like their yeah. first action round. Yeah, it looks too. like they got gravity drive with their tech because they had tech first round, right? Um, and then took took Mechatol. The the other thing that I you, you mentioned orbital drop. The the yeah, one I thing think that, that they a, a big deal that they didn't do ever, I believe, which I think is another huge deal. So they didn't. They never sold their promissory note uh, right. military support, which it can be really strong like people people want that people, two two extra ground forces is huge yep. if you if you've spent your strategy tokens like it's, they never even it's offered nothing it. for you it's like it was it's like yeah, it wasn't even in play that game it just was never right. brought up and i like you bringing up the orbital drop thing because i mean i think that's part of what crushed his middle game right was he 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 took the stuff that soul is supposed to take but he didn't do that defensive legwork soul is supposed to do to just like never be touched all game yeah just lock they, it down. they got they got hit hard in the in the middle and and because they didn't have all the planets it was enough to kind of hurt them for a while yeah. it just, like they got a mentac like a mentac got into their yes. slice and a mentac yeah. should never be able to get into a soul slice and take right. planets from you right it's crazy um so i don't know I, honestly i feel good leaving game 14 there a soul victory in exactly the way you could pretty much expect a soul victory to come about yeah so yeah. um, you guys need to tell me about game 15, though, because I was not there. Oh, well, who was in it? Well, I can read that to you. Game 15 <laughs> was we had Tim as the yin in Little and Tight. Mm -hmm. We had Flurkin as the Mentak in Fast and Cultured. Seven as the Extra in uh, Big and Tight. Dan as the L1Z1X in Darien Slice. The Prayer as the Barony of Letnev in Dangerous Diplo, and Toaster as Hakan in Slice of the Gashly. Second game with Hakan in Slice of the Gashly. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this one, just looking at the end score, looked like a, looks like it was a very, very close finish. How did we get to a score of 10, 9, 9, 8, 8, and 8? Uh, well, they were all good players, and it was, uh, <laughs> it was pretty tight. It was a tight game. Um, I feel like this was the one, was this the one with like one of the games that had like excessive deal making, I feel like, or is that every game? Is is, that were every all game? of them that? <laughs> I, think, I think almost every game had excessive deal making. I feel like this is an episode where it's gonna be so important to remind people that we watched five games of Twilight Imperium yeah, sorry, this guys. weekend, I and they, boy howdy do they run together. Yeah, I think this <laughs> yeah. game is the one I remember the least, but. Um, I, I've got some stuff in my head about it. Like I remember seven. So seven, uh, it was the winner. Um, yeah, he, he was his game was super extra. interesting. Yeah, his game was crazy. Um, I will say this: the objectives were really singing to him. Like mm. it was, it was that kind of extra victory. But he was like really seizing out every opportunity and made like basically no mistakes in a yeah. game that was kind of kind of full of mistakes i feel like um yeah i remember while while the game was going I, I do remember calling out a lot of things that i didn't love about 
some of the mm-hmm. choices people were making. Yeah. But Seven did a did some interesting stuff. He he continued the trend of picking trade and then first round and then winning the game. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, right. So, we'll talk about so that more later. But there's there's seven of those. <laughs> yep. Um. He his tech path was also very unusual for for XGEL players. A lot of XGEL players tend to just go for uh, PDS two and then some other stuff that feels good sometimes right, cruiser right, two right. or sometimes like stuff that you need for objectives or whatever but he just went green and yellow and went for his racial techs and that was it and he nailed it yeah he ha- only... actually had very little tech by the end it was like yeah. he had like six tech yep. by the end of the game wow wow but that's what i mean though is that in a lot of ways he made a lot of choices that were that were smart and good and also it was not a game that really like choked extra out which i feel like we see plenty of of games where it's just like these vps are not lining up uh for them uh so yeah he he was not really excluded uh in any way but yeah he he just played a really tight uh game his i really liked his deal making style he just like didn't really waste a lot of time and he would just he would just go straight for like a good deal basically yeah Um, seven's win here was not a surprise to me at all i don't i don't know the other players actually i know toaster a little bit um but Seven has played so many games of freaking Twilight Imperium. Right. He, he yeah. plays on, on TTS a lot. He, he said it today, 150-plus games. Yeah, and, of t- and that yeah. is not played, an exaggeration. In the, last, in the last two weeks, he has played 13 games. Yep. Like, this is the thing that he does when he's not working or spending time with his family. It is right. this. And that is yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. He was so, really one, interesting to watch uh, to the extent where afterwards I kind of got, like, the idea of just wanting to have like a invitational stream yeah. and just have a bunch of like kind of weird, interesting players play. Cause right. like he, yeah. Like the, the tech he's known for really being strange. weird too, right? Yeah, like he's, he's always just, been weird. Yeah. He does he like, does, crazy, he, does he loves stuff. Gosa Krius. He does weird stuff. Doesn't he all the time? Oh, yeah. I mean, all I ever Absolutely. hear about him is like really strange plays that he does. Yep. He also didn't like double down on the, like he built the flagship, but he didn't, yeah, like he didn't get PDS too, so like he wasn't really like doubling down on PDS or even right. building a lot of PDS. Right. He just yeah. kind of threw the flagship out there, made it. I think a uh, couple plays with it, and that was the funny thing. It. The funny thing about the PDS actually is that his lack of PDS almost cost him the game. There was a play mm-hmm. in the penultimate round where he needed to bombard a ground force, so he had built a couple dreadnoughts and he oh, moved right, into yeah. a men- the Mentax slice where he had a cruiser. Actually, the Yin had the cruiser in this slice. He had taken over this this uh, spot. Uh, the Yin had a cruiser and a ground force there, and he was able to skill retreat out of there because three PDS shots from the flagship all missed, oh, and wow. there were no there was no plasma scoring. There was no PDS two from the PDS that he had nearby, so he, wow. he failed to kill the cruiser and couldn't kill the uh, the he couldn't bombard the um, the ground force that he needed for the for that extra point. He had to find a way to do that the next round, which was kind of a tough. Like he he yeah. had to scramble for that. He had to he had to wait out warfare by like right. wasting three or four extra tokens. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, that's that's crazy. Um, can I tell you guys about game sixteen? Oh, yes. please do. Which was my game last night, uh, Saturday night. Um, this one was another fairly decent spread uh, with a Sardak and a Muat sneaking into the draft. Um, but I, the biggest thing to note about this group was this is the quietest game we have had. If you're going to watch game 16 uh, on YouTube, don't expect it to be a thrilling ride of espionage and negotiation because <laughs> it is some. It is a group of methodical, quiet players. Um, 
especially in the first two rounds where, you know, there's not even that many reasons. Like, if there's not a reason to butt heads with somebody, they mm -hmm. would not speak to each other. So there was, they're just, it's absolutely silent for so much of this game. Uh, <laughs> we had Chris as the Muat in Big and Tight. We had Shalev as the L1Z1X in Darien Slice. We had Woody as the Isarl in Dangerous Diplo. We had Matt as the Sardak Nor in Slice of the Gashly. We had Peter as the Yin in Little and Tight. And we had Eric as the Nalu in Fast and Cultured. Um, so this one, uh, let, me, let me just give you my breakdown and then I'll try to get into some more specifics. But um, Muat made early moves for Mechatol Rex um, and jumped on it, but then they didn't really make all the deals they needed to make to protect themselves. So they, they just like jumped out to Mechatol Rex. Right. And, and you think of that as like a, you know, that could work as a Muat, right? Muat, War Sun above Mechatol Rex, in some cases can have the same situation as like a Yin with all their ground forces on Mechatol Rex or a Soul in the right scenario. But in this one, Muat didn't do any of the legwork on, on the slice. They ended up actually, what they did was they, they made deals with Asarl, who were not their neighbor. That was the neighbor of their neighbor, right? But, like, Asarl could have gone through the beta wormhole to get into their stuff. But then they didn't talk to their two neighbors. So they ended up just getting, like, completely gutted by the L1Z1X, who was their neighbor. And um, that ended up to L1 getting a lot of power very fast. Because L1 had, you know, most of Muat's slice and their own. Um, and were getting lucky objectives... And when the L1 slowed down a little bit in the mid to late game, um, Muat, Asarl, and Yin caught up, but nobody could stop. He had gained too much power just by all of his early gains, where it was a little bit similar to that soul victory where he earned enough early on where it carried him through to the late game for a, mm -hmm. for a victory, which was our very first and only victory in Darien Slice. Oh, very wow. underperformed uh, Pi Slice, Darien Slice. Almost didn't get a single win. Um... Yeah, I mean, the the big defining thing was that Muat... I feel bad for the Muat player in this game because they spent the whole game, like, technically in some sort of point lead, but never with a strong position on the board, and everyone was still constantly like, we got to deal with Muat. We got to completely screw <laughs> up Muat. We got ah. to crush them under our thumb, and they were just never getting the target taken off of their back, despite always being, like, tied for the leader or a point below the leader. So... Um, and so they were just getting absolutely decimated all game. And it was hard to see. I mean, they, they had an amazing game despite that fact, essentially. Like, I have to give applause to them because they, they ended the game at nine despite being attacked essentially relentlessly the entire game. Well, that sounds like the Muat story to me. Yeah. <laughs> that actually sounds like a good game for Muat. They were at least an actual threat instead of just a perceived threat. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I would say this is another one of those games where um, I I almost, I mean, the L1 ended up winning, but it's another situation where, like, an L1 or, like, a strong faction could have won a round or two earlier uh, than they did if they had just oh, pushed yeah, for yeah. it more, but they kind of took that slow, safe path, and, like, yeah, they ended up winning, but if you didn't catch it, I said there were three other people that were, like, tied for maybe getting the victory with them. Muat, Sarl, and Yin and the L1 were all playing hot potato for the victory, and L1 happened to come out on, uh, like, ahead. But if they mm -hmm. had, like, really been aggressive in round three and four, they could have won, I believe, just, like, in the middle of round five. I, I forget the exact scenario, but they could have easily won round five uh, early on. I think even at the end of round four. Um, 
So wow. I just, I, and that's, that's been a, we'll talk probably more about this in like the overview of all of them, but mm -hmm. I started to get just seeing everything globally and seeing how often people's like um, needs interact with each other. It's not worth it to sit on an objective when you have it. I don't agree with that philosophy at all anymore. If you can score an objective, you should score it. And, and if you're only like one small step away from being able to score objective, you should take the step to score that objective. There were multiple so, times where people would like not score discard five action cards, even though yeah. they had action cards or true, true. not score uh, ships and six systems or whatever, like little things like that, where it's just like, oh, I don't want to take that lead. I don't want to take this, the lead that makes me look scary. But it's like, if you're in the lead, just you gotta you need to finish it out because you might if you you're probably already gonna get attacked and you might lose your chance to score those points later. There's so a few there, objectives that are especially susceptible to that kind of behavior. There was right? and the, also we we have ahead. game we have plenty of examples of games where somebody got uh, called out for being the leader and then crawled back. I mean we just got done talking about that soul game where ex that's exactly what happened. Right. So yeah, I, it's true. Alec, what were you gonna say? The one thing I wanted to say about that is that uh, we we did have one game in this tournament. The one that Jolnar, played by Jaynor, won, where yep. he he specifically and intentionally held back scoring an objective, a secret objective, yep. at in the penultimate round, so that he could seem like less of a threat than he was because a couple of other people pulled ahead of him, and Absolutely. that ended up that that specific thing helped him stay under the radar enough to win the game. It's yeah. true. It's true. So um, I think I think, well, I think, I think by and large you're right, but once in a while there's there's once there can be a, a good reason if you're really also, smart about it. We should just call this out because this is just something that goes very much against Matt's like core being, basically. Right. This is a very Matt thing to be saying. <laughs> it like, is. Oh, like no, you gotta score. You gotta do whatever it takes. You know what I mean? Like you gotta yeah. do whatever it takes. You gotta throw the carrier through the rift with sure. one guy on it to get the <laughs> one control well, objective. And if you don't make it, well, then that's because everybody hates you. I think to prove my point. I then need to also tell you about game 17. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, all I know about seven, game 17 is how all, all the chat messages you sent us in Discord. <laughs> like this, these these I, chat it messages, was, man. I, I was predicting a new winner every 30 seconds. Yeah, he was, was like, was it's, it's Asarl. Asarl's got it. Oh, wait, there wasn't even an Asarl in that game. There wasn't. But, <laughs> it's extra. Let me tell you, Extra's got it. No, no, no. Let me tell Let you. Letnev's got it. L1, let me tell though, you who has pulled it. ahead. I think L1's got it. <laughs> Unless Nalu gets it. <laughs> it could be one of the six players. I Hey, breaking news, guys. I'm pretty sure one of these six are going to win. Someone's going to win this game. Uh, this one was like one of the most standard drafts I feel like we've seen. Um, just like very cut and dry. Um, the weird thing with the actual um, selecting of factions, though, was Extra got picked like almost right off the bat. Um, so in, in a pool of like decent to stronger factions, extra got got nabbed up really fast. So we had Robbie as the L1 in Dangerous Diplo, Gino as Muat in Slice of the Gashly. There's the combo. Uh, mm -hmm. Ron as extra in Little and Tight. Chris as Barony in Fast and Cultured. Frederick as Nalu in Big and Tight, and Ben as Yin in Darian Slice. Another Ooh, combo. Yeah. Um, so this, I have too many notes on this game because because of all the crazy hot potato right, madness right. that was going on. Um, but I'll say this much: extra took Diplo round one. Um, there were some Arr. screw ups. There were some ah. screw ups because of Diplo. Uh, Muat did the secondary of Diplo to refresh Aaron Amir and then didn't do anything with Aaron Amir. I think they had intended to be able to gain some trade goods and spend an early um, eight influence 
objective, but trade did not get picked that round. And you know, if you're Wait. if you're if you've put the blinders on, you'll forget that trade didn't get picked, and you just assume you can get extra money. And and so they they were not able to to score that objective like they were probably planning to. Yeah. Hmm. Um. But moving on from that, uh, this one was a lot of really like sly territorial deals from the Baronia Letnev early on, getting them all of the really difficult objectives out of the way. Like they got four of the same trait and three tech objectives, uh, three tech specialties, uh, like right away. Those were like their first two objectives were getting those out of the way. Nice. And then from there on out, it was like spendy objectives and whatnot. Um, <coughs> so there were some support for the throne swaps that kept L1 and Xtra to be in the lead with Barony, but you know that you know that's kind of walking on eggshells with support for the throne. So realistically, Barony had this lead, and they more or less had a completely passive route to victory. And that's when I was messaging you guys, being like, "It's like round two or three, and Barony has like the clearest shot I've ever seen for someone to win." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then wormhole research came out. Uh, Barony had the, the combo, right? Barony had non-Euclidean shielding and Duranium armor. He was getting lots of Dreadnoughts out. And Wormhole Research came, and it uh, passed. So he had to kill everything in Wormholes. And he had two systems full of ships in Wormholes. Uh, at the end of that agenda, he had one Dreadnought left on the board. And that was the entirety of all of his fleets. Oh, my Jeez. God. Was one Dreadnought. So the Barony with nothing to lose, and he was like, he was doing the work too, right? Like it was, it was going to be a really amazing story to tell because it was like, you got all the hard stuff out of the way, you built units while getting the hard stuff, you're Barony, so like now your stuff is untouchable, mm-hmm. and now you just need to coast. You literally get tech objectives and spend influence and resource objectives, and you win the game. Easy. But you lose your whole fleet, and uh, you kind of have to come up with a new story. Um, so... Suddenly, everyone was in the game, and we had a situation where Yin was pushing for it, Extra was pushing for it. By the end of the game, it was really all about Barony and Extra. And at one point, um, Extra gave up the opportunity to score discard five action cards. Uh, they also uh, gave up, they decided to take one r- round too slow. We had the spend six command counters objective. Um, and they did one of those rounds where it's like, you know what, I would rather build up this round than spend those six command counters. Um, but if they had spent the six command counters and got their discard five action cards, they would have been at nine points as x with a flagship and two PDS adjacent to their home system with an automatic point in the bag. No, mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. It wasn't automatic. They would, they would have to take like one planet to score their final objective. But their home system would, would be completely protected. So a little bit of risk, but taking that fast lead. Um, and at the end of the game, uh, x and Barony were kind of doing this little dance, but it ended up being, since they didn't do the um, command counter thing, uh, they were no longer able to do the command counter thing from that point forward. Um, I, I might be getting that wrong. They eventually got it, but they, they at some point they ended up too far behind to make it up, and they basically needed to do like this Hail Mary pass. It was going to be a cool play if it worked, because what the only way x could have won is if they took an industrial planet and they had mining initiative and industrial initiative and that would have got them seven trade goods sorry eight trade goods um between those two action cards and the two already on their sheet would have been the two points they needed to win but because they couldn't take that final industrial planet they were one trade good shy of victory in the end um 
And Barony basically got to coast to victory in the last round because he was just sitting on seven command counters and all he had to do was score that point. So it really was the final round was all about if Extra had done the work on the front end, he would have been the one coasting to victory, but instead Barony was coasting to victory. So that's why I think there's value in like getting that lead if you have the position to solidify it, right? Yeah. Obviously yep. there's situations where you've stretched yourself too thin and, you, and, and that's dangerous. But if you can get the things you need to get and then also like protect yourself, I, I think you, you should do that. Yeah, this is, I think it's sure. this game or it was game 16 where I also watched a Nalu for like three rounds in a row uh, not get six ships in, uh, or get ships in six different systems. Um, which was just so irritating. No, it that, wasn't even. Man, that's funny because so that many, happens seen, in the game in our last yeah, game. Yeah, I've seen. I've yeah. seen. It was actually two games back to back that it was the same issue twice. In one of them, it was the player needed to research Fighter Two, and they could have done it easily. Right. Um, but they just decided not to get Fighter Two, and they kept putting off that objective, and they never ended up scoring that objective. But I forget right. what that player was. So, anyways, I'm gonna quit pleading my case about uh, Game Seventeen. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's crazy. There's there's been so much good extra play. Yeah. Lately. Um, yeah. Just in general, I mean, you. It sounds like your extra in this game basically had it, except for a misplay. Basically, yeah. They yeah, basically had ten, and, and and it's like you can't even fully call it a misplay. It was mm -hmm. like opted for a different strategy, and that strategy uh, ended up to work out worse. But yeah, the road they took did not lead there. And what I mean, we we just got done talking about in game fifteen seven one with extra. I wanted to also point out this actually reminded me of something. Seven picked extra in the draft well before it made sense to me yeah, that's what personally. this was like. yeah, yeah that's yep. what this was this was like second pick extra i think people in general were looking at the map and saying like all right super balanced map um so why not so extra is probably better than average like be right. better than extra would be normally right. because you're guaranteed a fair shake uh, you're yep. guaranteed a fair slice so if you pay a def play a defensive faction you're probably going to be able to accomplish a lot more um natural victory points than you yeah. would in another map in so, theory i think it but we sense. saw a lot of we saw a lot of extras crash and burn though that's that's sure. true too Over i, I still think they're 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 a rough faction uh, that have some uh, some real yeah. limitations i also want to point out in this game 17 that we're talking about uh and i i, I won't lie uh i'm i'm kind of glad this extra did not win i'm i was rooting against them because they picked uh, diplomacy round one uh, <laughs> yes and they picked <laughs> diplomacy round one and they were the third pick Yep. I could see That's that exactly right there. Correct. They were yep. the third. They <coughs> po politics hadn't been picked. They nope. could have picked politics, nope. and they didn't. They opted not to to they take diplomacy round one. They just what is it with you people? Like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll say this much: it threw off the Muat player and made them make some mistakes. I think sure. there is a tiny amount of value. Not much. It's not worth <laughs> picking, but there is a tiny amount of value. And if you pick diplomacy, you're going to make at least one player make some mistakes. Right. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Uh, hey, Probably. guys, I want you two to tell me about game 18. Oh, boy. But game I think 18. we have to do this in two phases. I want uh -huh. you to tell me about the game of 18. And then, and then the win. And then we can talk about the win. All right. Okay. All right. So as a game, this was, I think, one of the... This is certainly one of the tightest um, oh, games yeah. I got to observe. Um, it. You know, so just to break it down, we had uh, Schnooker playing as Ghost of Creus in Slice of the Gashalai, which was exciting. Uh, we had John playing as Extra in uh, Little and Tight. We had uh, Jack Bauer playing as Nalu in Fast and Cultured. We had uh, Habo playing as Mintak 
in uh, Big and Tight. Nope. Nope. That was Patience. Uh, oh, yeah. Patience as Mentak. Patience is a virtue as Mentak in uh, Big and Tight. Yeah, you're right. Um, and then we had Shark playing a Sar in Darien Slice. And we had Habo playing as L1 in uh, Dangerous Diplo. Um, all. All very good uh, players. Uh, there was a lot of really... There's a lot of different styles, too, going in. Uh, Schnooker uh, did a lot of interesting stuff as Kriya. Uh, Schnooker was able to get uh, Warsun. Uh, Warsun's on the board. Not just research Warsuns, but <laughs> got them on the board and did a thing with them, and it yeah. was very, it was a good very thing. fun. Yeah. That is um, amazing. That's it, all it I wanted cool. from that slice. Like the entire tournament, all I ever wanted was for slice of the gash. Like he did it for you, man. Hands of the Krius. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. I needed it. And I he wanna... had an interesting style of like trade uh, that was very <laughs> different from some of the other players. That kind of brought up a lot of contention, which I think is important to note. Uh, Schnooker had a more straightforward. Uh, here's the deal. This for this. Kind of, kind of just straightforward and even. Um, and then we had probably. Probably one of the best Mentac players uh, I've seen in the tournament uh, in Patience is a Virtue, um, who was doing the kind of more classic, like, I'm going to try and work as many deals as possible, as many angles as possible. Um, he had a lot of, uh, I will not do this, or, or okay, we, we will make a deal where I will not um, pillage from you uh, for even a certain amount of rounds. There was there were deals he would offer up where I won't pillage for you for three rounds if you do fill in the blank. Right. So he was a deal maker. Um, and he had a lot of interesting, uh, he, he got a lot out of his faction. Um, what were you about to say, Root, though? I, I wanted to talk about the first two rounds because I thought they were very interesting. First, with, with Ghost picking trade, uh, he got he mm -hmm. got some really good value. He made, as you said, very straightforward, very simple, very easy deals um, with his neighbor, the Extra, and mm -hmm. uh, the Nalu player in uh, Fast and Cultured. And the the thing the, the thing that I liked about it the most was that both of those players came to him. He yes. did not he did not go out to, wow. to meet those and trade ghosts. He yep. has all the room in the world to go to them. Yep, and both of them came to him. Uh, which leads into the other very interesting thing that happened in round one. Uh, the Nalu sent their destroyer through the Alpha Hole into Lodor in order to, yeah. to make that trade, uh, which wow. ended up being super important the next round. Uh, the other thing that the Nalu did was they took Warfare, and uh, they moved out their initial fleet to uh, Kornik Rescuelon mm -hmm. and built a fleet at home. And I would have expected, my, my plan, just not even thinking about Mechatel Rex, would be to... Warfare, uh, use, the, use that Warfare to take the token off my home system and take Centauri Grawl uh, and just fill out the, the back right. of my slice. But he he took the token off of uh, Centauri, or yeah, Centauri, Cornique Rescuelon and took Mehar Zul. And I at mm -hmm. first was like, I don't like this. I don't like this. Right, only one planet, uh, yeah. three influence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's less efficient. Uh, but he, the next round, uh, took uh, Mechatel Rex right away. Um, yeah, as Nalu, I get it. Yeah, that's great. So yep. just like an unblockable jump on Mechatol yep. Rex. And that the, is a power of being Nalu. And the like only you'll person never get that stopped. The only person who could contest him for the rest of the round at Mechatol Rex would have been the ghosts who had a destroyer in the way. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. Uh, in fact, we we had been talking about. Oh, we think that Krius took trade round one because they're getting ready to to make a play for Mechatol round two. Mm -hmm. um, 
that was that was our idea because basically nobody else could could get there um except for nalu and uh nalu went into the second round and picked political so we basically got to round two nalu gets the custodians token and is set up to take imperial round three and i wow. think there was a <coughs> we mapped it out at one point it was like nalu had the potential to come into round three with like four points like yep. the end mm. of round three with four yeah Yep, which wow. would have been really wild. Um, he did get. Uh, they did do something about it, though. Yep. They, uh... <laughs> Collectively, he he got very it, like he got like late game uh, whole table versus him type stuff. Like we've talked yeah. about before with Soul, it was like that except for the table one. They they did successfully. Wow. Um, they, they tore got, him they, apart. Yeah, to the point where he didn't even take Imperial that round. He didn't even take Imperial in the third round because they were making so much headway against them that he was like, there's no point I can't, in me. Yeah, I got to get the stuff. heat off me. Right. Um, right. So, so another interesting thing that happened round one uh, happened between the Mentak and the Sar, um, where yeah. uh, the Mentak <laughs> put their one of their cruisers in the gravity rift between them and the Sar player. Uh-huh. Uh, before the Sar player took Iron Amir, or not Iron Amir, uh, Arnor Lore, the system yep. in front of their home system. Uh because Sar went to the left first, so he was going to come to that system, Arnor Lore, take those planets, gain two trade goods, and already have two trade goods. And guess what happens when right. you gain one trade good two times when you're next to the Mentak? <laughs> uh, you're going to wow, get pillaged yeah. two times. So wow. uh, Patience, the Mentak player, made a deal for, uh, in exchange for his promise of protection, uh, he gained the Sar player's two trade goods and Ceasefire, which he held on to for quite wow. a bit of the game. Wow, early and, Ceasefire from Saul is... Sorry, is a big deal. Yep, and then yes. they, they kind of formed this little alliance, and uh, they exchanged support for the thrones a few rounds later, and uh, pretty wow. much held that that held straight the whole game. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Patience so, was a very straight shooter, even if he was trying to make a lot of deals. He was very like he was true to his word. He made a uh -huh. lot of non-binding agreements, and he did not break any of them. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so he basically got that leverage on Sar, and then translated that into an informal alliance and uh, that never ended. So he was worried about Sar and he took care of it really quickly, very yeah. quickly. Yeah. So walk me through how we get to the late game buildup. Who are the main players in the, in the penultimate round or in the final round? And then let's talk about what happened. Uh, so, so the Sar uh, very effectively and very efficiently built up their Sar balls. Uh, they had one of their secret objectives was to build five dreadnoughts and mm -hmm. I mean that's that's good when you're the Sar. Just build a couple yep. big, hefty looking fleets and it worked out really well and he had a lot of weight to throw around and uh took Mechatol Rex uh for a while and no one could really kick him off of there and uh Right, right. Yeah, it was great. And then um there was a point at which the the L one's fleet was uh actually pretty strong as well. He had he ended up with super dread twos um around midway through the game and, and his flagship um and was able to take on some of the smaller Sarballs. Uh, and then the Ghosts of Krius got their War Sun tech, as mentioned, and their flagship as well, and they managed to fly across the board and take out one of L1's bigger fleets because he needed to Whoa. unveil his flagship. Yep. Uh, and I think also... Oh, he did that earlier. He needed to bombard, mm -hmm. uh, which he mm -hmm. did with the, the War Sun, and that, that was great. That was a, the, So there were a couple of exciting fights kind of midway through the game, and that was really fun. Um the uh the x job mostly stayed in their slice they uh yep. they went to meharzul very briefly uh as in like an amicable agreement with the uh the nalu and then that was pretty much it 
there were yeah. a lot of spend objectives in this game. There was there were two. There were only two objectives that were for control. There was six planets and three tech specialties. So it was a lot of trade, a lot of spending planets and stuff at the end of the round. Uh, Mentak built up a huge horde, and there were oh my gosh, there were so many agendas this game that were great. There was economic equality at one point, which was almost a huge blow to the Mentak, but the board kind of got greedy and opted for the choice to give everyone five trade goods. So uh, Mentak... Which was a mistake. It was a huge mistake. It was a huge mistake. Uh, They they went from 12 trade goods down to nine after their pillages because they were neighbors with everyone. Uh, Uh, The first agenda, or it was either first or second agenda, was representative government. So for the entire game, they each only had one vote. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. which honestly made the agenda phases really fun. Yeah, it was great. They just, there wasn't a lot of variable to it. So like they, they had to talk it out, but it actually felt like it made the conversations flow a lot faster because yeah. everyone knew at most that I've got a vote to throw into this. Yeah. Um, and it contributed really to cool. the speed of the game a lot. Yeah. Um, I wanted then, to mention on some of these factions we've already talked about, um, like just, I want to call attention to how much <laughs> L1 got out of the flagship. L1 was very efficient with the flagship and and made a lot of really great plays and made me remember how good that flagship is. Do you remember that it has capacity five? Because I forgot that. I hate it has that. five it's the capacity. Worst. Doesn't what, isn't that crazy that it root, has that? I think I think Alec and I got onto a really big tangent in one of our games <laughs> talking about that. We were just like, oh yeah, remember how this amazing ship with this amazing faction also has more than average capacity <laughs> for no have? reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, like, what's the funny. theme there? But yeah, so <laughs> yeah. so that yeah that that ship is so great. Um, and I also wanted to note that that extra when we say that extra was sitting uh, back in his slice, uh, I mean that like so he went kind of classic extra like PDS two kind of yep. route. Yep. Um, but he did not build a very aggressive PDS network, which I thought mm. was interesting. Yeah, it was, it very was a very yeah, it was not like it wasn't like he was. Uh, he didn't have any PDS. Like if you went to Mechatol, you had to worry about one. That was it. Oh yep. wow! One His flagship PDS stayed at home my... the whole time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So he played a super defensive extra, like the most defensive yeah. I've seen probably in the tournament. Well, also L one was kind of in. It was kind of interesting the way things shifted a little bit because basically as Sar Sar kind of had a rough early game, uh, having to contend with Mentak like that. Uh, and then also, like, not being able to just go straight for Mechatol because of Nalu, I feel like also kind of slowed them down. But then in the mid-game, they really recovered. And once they had Mechatol, L1 kind of instantly started sniping their slice. And it was funny because it was like L1 is going for Sar. And then Ghost just kind of followed L1 into it with yep. the War Sun. Yep. That is essentially... Wow. they. There was this very competitive side of the galaxy between Krius... Uh, L1 and then um, Sar and then Mentak and Nalu had a lot of tension and then Extra was just kind of just a little turtle just kind of free yeah really yeah. like not only was Extra the tur- the turtle faction but the the way the the board state was shaped was really pro that player sitting out you know gotcha. like it wasn't right. it, he wasn't dealing with like an aggressive Krius like trying no, to snipe right. planets from him Krius was pretty much preoccupied the entire time um, L1 and Sar were pretty tangled up um, in like a traditional like Sar goes to do this thing and then somebody starts coming up the the other end and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they traded a lot of blows um, yeah. and Nalu kind of just like hung on because of how uh, their early game went. But like like really, I mean, I, should we start talking about the late game at this point? Are we are we ready to go there? I, I want to talk about yeah. two more things real quick. Oh yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. There 
there were there were a couple of mistakes one an individual mistake and one a, a board mistake uh the board mistake is another agenda that there was a mistake that people passed which was swords to plowshares uh, yes which, which for we had one who don't know is uh if it passes uh every player loses half of the ground forces they have on every planet and for every ground force you lose uh, round it up which is important uh and then you gain a trade good for every one that you lose or you add one infantry to every planet that you have and the board yeah. decided to pass it and uh, at, at this point, 16, in, 16 resources had just come up. This was like the last agenda. Yeah. And we, Mentac we had, had 10 trade goods come up. Yep, yep. and, and mirror computing. Uh, Mentac had mirror computing and had gone down to just like two trade goods or something in the last round. Mm-hmm. Oh, and right. gave him enough. They passed it and gave him yep. enough trade goods to very easily score that po- those two points, whereas without so, it, he'd have had to scrape it, scrape it clean. So, so game 17 had Swords of Plowshares come up in our second to last round or our second to last agenda phase as well or whatever. And they, our team was lucky enough to catch it because uh, if they had passed it, Xcha would have had more than enough trade goods for their mm. final round. Yeah. Um, but they, they did see it. But that is a scary agenda. Yeah. Um, yeah and sure. then for and sure. then the other the weird thing that I wanted to kind of call out was Nalu's tech path. Um, because yeah. because they did not take Grawl in the first round, they didn't mm. have a blue skip. Yep. Um so they did not end up getting hyper crystal fighter twos until very late in the game um because since they skipped it they decided to just go down the green path and they got right um, neuro, so they put neuro it also after neuroglave okay. yeah they got they got neuroglave pretty quick but then there they had fighter twos very very late and they also had the secret objective control the region to spread out uh ships into mm. six systems and they were never able to do that because by the time they had crystal fighter twos there was a PDS network set up on their right and a PDS network yeah. from the uh, Mentac set up on their wow. left, and they just couldn't do it. Right. Yeah, yeah I think, uh, I, I, and I think that's a theme that I've seen in a lot of uh, Nalu players that I have been calling out basically since we did the first round strategy guide for them, which is I think sometimes people um, get thrown off by Neuroglave. They, uh, they yeah. get too excited about it uh, and I don't, I don't see it as a, I see hybrid Crystal Fighter 2 as, as like the... way more essential, just in yeah. a general <laughs> strategy, like always probably going to be useful. Um, right. Yeah. Well, because you can't utilize, get... you cannot utilize Neuroglave <laughs> to its fullest potential without Hyper Crystal Exactly. Fire For sure. Exactly. Hyper Crystal Fire 2 sure. is what unlocks the pure potential of Neuroglave. Yeah. It's the gum. It's, and <laughs> It's the gum. It's the gum. And, and somehow Neuroglave is the, the works works yeah <laughs> so all right so walk so walk me through your favorites okay. going into the last round and then let's talk let's let's just jump to like what happened oh it was like we... it was anybody's game going into the last round oh well not anybody's but it was yeah i remember feeling like it was going to be pretty wild as far yeah. as who might win um mentac had the most solid path going into what was definitely going to be the final round and by mm-hmm. solid i just mean they didn't have to do a lot. Right. But that did not right. necessarily mean that they were going to win uh, they going had into to, the final round. They, they had, had to stop people. They had to stop people. Yes, from that's true. They had to stop they had to stop Nalu um, from winning because obviously Nalu comes uh, earlier in First. initiative order. And Nalu had Imperial in the final round. Ouch. Um, Extra had leadership in the final round. So uh, Extra would have scored uh, before Mantac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Extra had a pretty uh, pretty wonky path. They, I, they I did not they would seem have, super likely. Yeah, they they had scored all their secrets. They scored all the easy publics. They would have needed to gain some trade goods, 
and and account for the inevitable pillage from Mentak in order to gain sixteen yeah. resources to spend. And there, yeah. I there's no way that I know of that they could have gotten that, so I don't think they would have won. I agree. Um, even if for some reason, I believe Sar had a route to ten points, even though Sar would have scored after Mentak. But if I don't know that it. You could have made. Uh, I think even at one point I went over to L one slice and was like, "Can I get to 10? Yeah, L one could have. L one could have. Yeah. But he he was scoring. Uh, he would have been scoring fourth with politics because of Nalu. So yeah, if it got to so him, it was, but it was but, likely going to come down to initiative order. It felt like one of those, right? Where it was okay. like we we got a couple people that that probably earned it, but who is going to score first? Um, that's what's going to make the difference. So um, I keep um, I keep bringing this up really ominously. So I think it's time to tell the the listeners what happened. Hunter, okay. What what's the juice? Well, here's what happened. Me and you did we when, before we started this tournament, we had a discussion. We right. talked and we were like, "What do we do if somebody does a support for the throne for the win?" And right. we were like, "Well, we're not going to make some sort of homebrew rule like we we're doing the pre-made." Everything that happens before the game starts, the, the pre-game, yeah. um, obviously that's like our kind of homebrew thing for the tournament. But honestly, in the rule book, it's not very well defined. And besides our weird drafting thing in the pre-made map, I kind of felt like we were both in favor of just like, no, let's just, we just need to let Play the game GI. be the game. And um, w- the result of that is that um, Schnooker playing as Ghost of Krius uh, because of, I think, a lot of animosity between um, his style of play and uh, Patience is a Virtue's style of play in uh, as Mentak, um, decided to to kingmake to to give extra support for the throne in the action phase of what would have been the last round, and extra won at that point. Um, and I I do feel like the reason they did it is because they could see like how we could see that the most likely person to win was the Mentak player. Right. Um, and it's, I was pretty shocked, honestly. Yeah. I was surprised that, that somebody did that. Um, I Can do we... see the meta of it. Like it was like, sure. they, they, they had clashed. Um, it sucks because I can't really remember exactly what their disagreements were, except for that Schnooker in general just kept saying, you guys need to be like you guys are letting Mentak get away with a lot, and and to be fair to him, they were like Mentak yeah. was getting like we've already mentioned how they messed up in two agendas where they could have um, maybe Mentech. cut yeah. down Mentak's trade goods. Mentak had a lot of trade goods and got mirror computing, um, but yeah, like the 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 end result of that was i mean that is how the game ended and that's so, so weird so that's how the I that's how the prelims in this happened in a secret conversation right and Root, you were there so there. what what was the actual because this is this is the question that i think always comes up and I, this is what i think all the listeners will want to know and if they don't want to watch the whole game i want to make sure we cover this so who made the actual offer and extra as the recipient how did they recognize that this was something that would be disliked by many players and were they cool with that i mean that that, that is a thing right like mm-hmm. like most a lot of players would say well i wouldn't take that i'm sure. honorable i'm not gonna i wouldn't do something like that and so, it's like well you're not you're not actually faced with the choice to do it so we don't know what you would do yeah. so walk me through extra's decision to accept this deal okay so 
first and foremost, this was not actually the the first secret conversation that Xjaw was involved in at the in the in the last round. Oh, Before right, this, right, right. he he actually had a secret conversation with the L1Z1X player. The L1Z1X player, or he, the, the X actually initiated, initiated this because he knew he needed some extra trade goods in order to score those 16 resources. Like that, that had to be it. That was yeah. the way he was going to win. So right. the L1Z1X. And we've seen, we've seen this. We've seen this in many games before today, right? Yeah. We've seen multiple games where it's like, I need two trade goods. How am I going to swindle somebody out of two trade goods? I got to go talk to everybody. Yep. We've seen it time and time again. Yep. So he talks to the L1Z1X. He, he offers his support for the throne, which would have put L1 at 8, I believe. Um, let me look. Uh, yes, at 8. And the L1Z1X was sitting pretty on a ton of resources, on a ton of trade goods, like 10 trade goods, and had mm-hmm. like 15 resources and planets. Like he had, right. he had great resources, so he was not worried about resources. So he had plenty. So Extra knew he could spare some. And, and offered his support for the throne for, I think, 4 trade goods. And L1Z1X... Uh, eventually agreed after a few minutes of discussion and i was surprised by this because mm-hmm. to me it was very obvious that this was handing extra the game uh and l1 kind of didn't seem to really be appreciating that that was going to happen um and then it became uh, l1's turn he became neighbors with the extra so that they could make this exchange uh by like fighting some tiny sarball and lodor uh-huh. uh and uh-huh. then the trade didn't happen and l1 like straight up said uh a f- like a few minutes later like hey I-, I realize i can't make this trade because i'd be handing you the win like he he had thought about it he, so he caught it he looked at stuff and he eventually realized i can't do this great between those things happening um if the ghost initiated this conversation with the extra and asked him to step into secret conversation and next i was like okay sure i don't know what this is about but fine and uh he he didn't even ask for anything uh schnooker just offered he said uh i I, I don't want the Mentac to win. I would prefer it be you. I'm going to offer you the support for the throne. Would you take it? And the extra player just said yes. He, he, just, <laughs> he just said yes. It was a very fast, very simple conversation. There was no negotiation. Wow. The ghost didn't ask for anything. He just offered it, and the extra said yes. Uh, so they okay. went back to the, uh, the main room, and... It eventually, uh, it was kind of, it was kind of funny. It kind of dragged out for a few minutes because Hunter and I knew this was coming now, and right. the Mentak player and the Sar player had to take turns, and they were like trying to figure out how to stop uh, both <laughs> the X Shaw somehow. And it's like the with... worst example of when you're <laughs> waiting for one person to win because yeah. you're waiting for someone to win in the way you never wanted <laughs> someone to win. <laughs> yeah, and, and like the Mentak used their Minotaur of War card to start just tearing the Nalu apart so they couldn't make good use of Imperial, and it was working. And then the Sarball started moving uh, in, in that direction as well to maybe help against X-Shaw somehow as well. And and it finally became Schnooker's turn. He was going last in initiative order. And uh, he took Mechatol Rex, which was now open, made him neighbors with the X-Shaw. And they uh, they ended up trading support for the thrones for all that matters uh, because the X-Shaw yeah, still had right. his and hadn't given it to L1. And uh, yeah, that was it. That's that the end of that it. story. That's the end so, of the game. Let's talk about that real quick then, because this is this is going to spark outrage in some players. Uh, I know it sparked outrage in Patience as a Virtue for a little while in the oh, Discord. I oh think boy. he eventually calmed down. His, his Canadian well, anger really came out. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Oh man, this is really. I'm really. I'm really chuffed. But okay. Well, I love you all and good night. Um, so this is legal, and it is part of a TI. And in a tournament setting, it is obviously weird to see it. But uh, mm-hmm. I think we have to go on record saying 
we've been on record saying this before, right, Hunter? Like on this show, mm-hmm. we have talked about this is part of Twilight Imperium. It's right. the really seedy underbelly of Twilight mm-hmm. Imperium, mm-hmm. but yep. there is a part of anything in Twilight Imperium that is I have to sometimes choose darkness or I have to choose the light. <laughs> and, yep. and, and players at all moments are deciding how they want to do this. And, and I want to put, I want to give a defense of this act and I want to give my criticism of this act but in defense of this act I am one of those people that believes anything anytime you swap points for someone you are still in effect leading to this result right you could take any action throughout the game and say because you let so-and-so do something yep you you gave them the opportunity to win I know and I'm not I'm not saying this is a rock-solid foundation but I'm saying there is precedence for the idea of like in TI we give things to people we like sometimes hey I trust you let's make this deal this is a little bit favorable maybe you'll scratch my back later we had I've had trades I think even today where like people there someone said um hey will you refresh me or or can you know, I want to refresh you. Maybe you'll give me a trade good later. You probably won't, but I'm just going to go ahead and refresh you anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and, and hopefully when we're neighbors, you'll give me a trade good, but I don't think I'm ever going to see that trade good. And it's like, the, this this happens. It's a political game. Sure. So we have to accept that these political things will happen. If the ghosts get dunked on by everybody and the whole time they're complaining about how much everyone is letting the Mentac get away with stuff, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. why would they want the Mentac to win? They don't feel like they've been given a fair shake right to, to me it sounds like this game was described by a lot of like i mean sar just started chasing down ghosts right like sar just yep, started losing a lot of stuff well and Mentac, so sar sar used signal jamming on ghost on ghost war stuff. sun so that's so what like, happened is like okay that's he one, had everything in one thing and yeah. right but but at the end it of wasn't the day like ghost was completely out but no it was it but, wasn't looking good sure so we have to accept that these kinds of things happen that yep. being said, <laughs> we flip to the other side, which is obviously no one wants to see this in a tournament. It's yep. not our favorite way to see a game end. Uh, we had 17 games that didn't end even close to this. Mm-hmm. This is the only time anything like this happened. I do remember Root and I, you and I were in one secret conversation where, or I was in it and maybe I told you about it. I forget exactly. But where someone was asking to be king made. Now, obviously, that's a completely different situation than saying like, hey, I'm going to king make you. Yeah. Coming in and being like, hey, give me two trade goods. And the other person being like, but that's king making. And they're like, yeah, I know. But do, <laughs> do it. <laughs> do you want to do that? Do you want to just do that? I understand that it's king making, but I don't care. Um, and we, So that, that has been conversations that have happened at other points in the tournament. Um, but it's, it is slimy. And I don't know how we'll do future tournaments if we'll yeah. someday i know that the the texas tournament that happened this past weekend they had a specific rule that was you cannot gain your 10th victory point through support for the throne mm-hmm. that was just yeah. straight up and down a house rule that they added um i don't know if we'll do that or not i don't know how much we will change how we do these tournaments because of this kind of behavior because at the end of the day it is it rare is twilight imperium and it is also pretty rare yeah. so sometimes it happens like uh, patience patience even said in the 100 120 games that he's played this is the first time this has happened never, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right yeah i i don't know i i i felt really torn about it because i am very like not i would never do this and i yeah. would be so furious oh i would be can you i would, ima- be I would so hunter hunter 
I would be hospitalized with a head injury. <laughs> so I, I, wanna, I would go to prison for butting my head into someone else's head. I want to talk about with your head. I want to talk about a difference, uh, a little bit of a difference between a tournament game and, and a normal game between your friends yeah, or I even in deci- a community. I can't decide which is more likely to see this. In, I, I right? think I think it's this because yeah because th- you have no vested interest in a, a relationship with anyone else. Right, right. Like you, uh, by and large, most of these people will never play with each other or see each other or talk to each other again. So why does he yep. care if he pisses patients off? He doesn't yep. care. Right. Absolutely, that's a good point. That's yeah, good point. and and I was I, I said this to Hunter off the air though, but like patience is a very very active person in the community, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So so even for patience, even within the confines of the tournament, if patience did this kind of thing, his your honor his goes, goes down a peg, rank. right? His yeah. credibility goes down. Yeah. Yeah. The player, John, that took this deal, John, I've seen on Discord every once in a while, but John is not an active participant in the Discord. Mm-hmm. So I can see John's argument being exactly what you're saying, Root, of like, I don't care. I want to win the tournament. I yeah. want to be the person who won the tournament. Exactly. I do not care how the community feels about me. And that's a pretty valid stance to take, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Sure, but I... I I want to say something. I care, and I want that the Arata game for next week is. I want how much? How many people would a hundred percent support us basically adopting the right. Texas rule for the yeah. rest of the tournament? Even though Which is what it is now formally called <laughs> the Texas yeah, rule. The Texas rule. <laughs> <laughs> that is what it is. Yeah, the Texas rule. If if you guys are down for man, how many little just? I'm just a phrase turning machine um, <laughs> if you guys are into us adopting the texas rule for this tournament because Let like honestly i like with a prelims game uh i don't know it's it's i was i was really bummed out i do not know how bummed out i would be if somebody did this in the semis or god forbid the finals yeah, i would if be someone so handed over the finals out. i would have really strong opinions how many hours how many hours would we have spent Yep. watching games <laughs> <laughs> and then right. just for it to be yes whoop, it's over it's over i decide i decided <laughs> <laughs> i'm the captain now <laughs> give me yeah. your tournament <laughs> yeah. yeah like i i would i yeah if this happened even if this happened again so this is the last prelims game i can say for certain that if this happens yep. again i would be so upset so i yeah. don't know like if, if everyone basically responded to this and was like no texas rule do it okay right. If everybody was like, "Yeah, Texas rule, do it," then I don't know. We'll do I, it. I, I, yeah. I would probably do it. Yeah. Um, let's let's transition then into the prelims overall. We're already we're already deep in this episode. Let's yeah. let's do some quick overview. We've got this is going to be kind of a freewheeling discussion here because we've all got the spreadsheet. We've been collecting a, a bunch of data. If you don't know. Uh, if you haven't seen this, uh, Evernoob has a super cheat sheet with a bunch of good information on it, and he set up um, a big statistics page. And I've been inputting the data from every game into it for a bunch of different factors. We will probably take a lot of the VODs of these games and continue using them to collect more and more data because we've gotten a lot of really interesting information out of tracking some of this stuff. I wanna, and I, I hope say before, that we can expand this Before we get into, into too something much of these bigger. stats, I want to I wanna yeah. say... That I do not stand by the by the by like yes. the things that we reveal with these stats being statistically important or hundred percent agreed. This is eighteen yes. games yeah. on a tournament. Here's here's what this needs to be taken as. These are statistics that apply to this tournament map with this draft setup. 
right? Yep. This okay. is not a this is not Twilight Imperium at large, and even within our map, this is not a statistically significant amount of data. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is way too little, but it is still fun to kind of play it's around. It's fun to talk space. about. I just want to be clear about yes. that up front. I, uh, you're exactly right. That is a big caveat we have to draw. No one should think that we're making any grandstanding assumptions about any of this, these numbers. That being said, trade is the best strategy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the data, se- the the data, data is says. screaming so, it. So someone, actually, screaming so, it. so someone asked about this on, the, on one of the Discord channels uh, yep. early, or like yesterday or something, and I, I, I think I realized, A, one of maybe several reasons that trade is good on this particular map. Not and, just good, like okay. far uh, and above. Seven of good. the 18 games have been won by trade round one. Okay, yeah. predominantly The good. next in line is four with Warfare. One so of, Warfare also decent, but like trade is crazy. One of the reasons I think that you see people getting away with good good trade a lot in this game is that the equidistant systems are yeah. empty. They are not contested systems. You don't send a ship there and then have it get killed by someone else who needs to go there for a planet. That doesn't happen. Right. And because right. of that, you're you're peacefully neighbors with with people a lot a lot more, a lot quicker, and a lot easier. And I think that opens yeah. up trade relations a lot more than on some other maps. Absolutely. And the second factor is these slices are more or less decently even. And if you're able to claim two systems round one like the two adjacent to you the only way you're really getting much of a significant economic advantage is through trade yes. you get three free trade goods and whoever you're establishing relationships with and hopefully you're getting you know four more three more trade goods on top of that so getting six more dollars which in a mo- many situations is like double the income that most people are getting yeah. or mm-hmm. you know one and a half of the people you're trading with um so it's a huge economic boon that propels you into round two so you end up with a really good round two because of all the money you bankrolled or all the progress you made round one yeah on this map specifically because of those things you just outlined root like that you don't you're not jumping down your neighbor's like you know slices very fast like it's not till round three that we start to see like lots of clashes on this map yeah, and don't forget we had uh, our the the best the best player unaligned magi picked trade four the unaligned times. yeah four times in a row uh, and and won their game. I'm not being sarcastic. I, I am wearing a shirt right now with unaligned magi's picture his picture that he uses in the Discord with it on there and uh, it's covered in gear that just says magi number one. Can I, can I talk about the second really weird fluke of this data? And this one, sure. I don't, I just don't even know where to go with this in my brain. I don't know where to put it. Mm-hmm. Second round picks, five games won with construction as the second round pick. What? What? That is uh, way more than everything else. Everything oh, else yeah, is you're right. That's three highest. for leadership, zero for diplo, zero for political, two for trade, one for warfare, one for tech, three for imperial, five for construction. That is bizarre. Wow. That's bizarre. Well, here's I have two theories on why construction is doing so well. Round one, first. Round uh, two, you mean? Round two. Uh, round two. I do mean round two. Uh, first is very often you're taking construction round two because you're a late pick which means you were an early pick round one, probably. So it's, I think a lot of times it's like, you had a good round one. And round and three. That forced, and, and then you're probably gonna have a good round three, because you're gonna be 
high in the order round three. Yeah. So like being low in the picking order round two is is better than being low round one and three. Yeah, which is probably that more makes a lot common. of sense. That makes a lot of sense. We're kind of making up numbers here. We're playing some Calvin ball. Yeah, but yeah. I think in general this is the point. The second thing being round one you spend getting your slice. If round two, you spend it solidifying your slice and preparing it for like, now I'm fully on board in round three. Yeah. I think that's the other like significant factor here, right? Is and, I'm getting that forward space talk. I'm yep. getting a PDS on my ex, and, second and, system. And not whatever. just, and not just getting now, a forward space talk, but one that you could use that round. Mm-hmm. Use it that round and you're like very positioned round three. I, I, wouldn't, yep. I would not be surprised to see someone who took trade round one and then construction round two. Their position round three was probably always a comment where we were like, oh, wow, they just look like they have lots of stuff and they look really strong right mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have like no points, but you are ready to like swing hard in the mid game. Yeah. I, I think that's a common thread with this sort of idea. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do we want to talk about the slices or faction stuff? Next? Let's do let's do slices. Let's no, talk about no, no, no. Let's do factions because we need to transition from map to map. So we'll we'll uh, end okay. on talking about the prelim map itself. And we'll well, I it thought night. it was interesting that Winu had a fifty percent win rate. So I'm disappointed. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Someone you wanted it to be a hundred. So yeah, someone took Winu. Someone took Winu and lost like a chump, and caused uh-huh. our Winu uh, mm-hmm. win rate to go down. And I'm mad about yeah. that. Right. Right. The win who lost to, and then there is the game. Which game was it? I forget. But that one, that game will forever be known as the win who win who. Game five. Yep. Uh, game, it, five. game five. Game five. Game five. Yeah. The win who win who. Um, where so, are the win who um, win We only had three factions, four factions with multiple victories. So let's talk about those four factions that each had multiple victories. Let's start with the the least. So Barony only had two wins. Barony had two wins. Um, I'm proud I would of them. say I don't. I'm proud of Barony. I didn't think Barony would do me either. Amazing. Yeah. I don't know. I thought they would be in a lot of games, and they are strong. Yeah. But there's just that that ground force problem with Barony that always comes up. Yeah. Um, yeah, but smart players don't make that mistake. Smart players don't make that mistake. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Because it's it's a mistake. It's a misplay. It's not like it's not like Barony. It's not like they're their infantry cost more or something right. goofy it's <laughs> right. just like something that is that people commonly I, skip over as yeah. as as a barony player myself i love playing the barony and i think i fall into this trap sometimes is that i just love building their dreadnoughts and because uh-huh. you're because you only have dreadnoughts you don't have you yeah. know carriers full of ground forces with you and that that can hurt as you as you get further away from your space docks right yeah. that's definitely a mistake that i've made playing the barony before yeah, because yeah, you're right. you're you're not L one, you know. Yeah, you're not L one. You're not c- truly cool. You're just kind of so, cool. Let's talk about Extra then. Extra had three wins. One of them being, of course, this sort of weird win. Uh-huh. A little bit different. I think we could um, all agree it was sort of weird. <laughs> yeah, it was a, little, um, a little bit. Yeah. So so three wins for Extra out of eight games played. But I think the sizable thing here with Extra is Extra was only banned twice. Mm-hmm. They are among the factions that were least banned. Actually, they're tied with Sardak Nor. Sardak Nor almost never got banned. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a Goldilocks zone kind of not not so bad that somebody's right. gonna be like, uh, get this out of here. Yeah. Uh, but not so good that somebody's gonna be like, uh, get this out of here. Yeah. So it but fell despite in the being banned zone. so little, they they won three games, and I really did not expect this for extra. Like we were saying, we kind of pointed this out earlier, but like extra on this map there is sort of that thing of like you typically have 
about enough in your slice, and if you can get decently lucky with objectives, just what what is anybody going to do about you? I mean, what, yeah. what are your options? Yeah. I think it just leaned extra. I think I think the the map kind of leaned. It just had a natural inclination to yep. be a little more extra friendly. Um, I feel like we talked about this, like even when we made the map, that because of it being so defensive minded. Right. Um, the only thing not going great for it was that none of the planets, none of the systems that that uh, were bordering Mechatol Rex were really very good. Right. So yeah. you couldn't do the like plop a space dock down right next to Mechatol Rex no. and like do that like kind of classic. Lodor like, was the only spot to do that in. Yeah, that's kind of it. And that's why I, I think Xcha in Slice of the Gashlight would have been really satisfying yeah. to, to see more yeah. of. There's also, yeah, I don't um, think we, there's also like, I, don't think we saw that I, I feel like Xcha can get a lot of value out of putting two PDS2 on an equidistant system mm-hmm. and oh, just, yeah, and just sure. like extort the heck out of their neighbor for, exactly. uh, for yeah. Yeah. a couple yeah. trades every time. That. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, okay, so now let's talk about uh, the next one is the L1Z1X MindNet. They had three wins as well out of 10 games played so like lots of wins but they were also played all the time like constantly being yeah, played yeah so so they actually don't have above a 50 percent win rate or even really i mean it's they're less than a one-third win rate but they were played so much and and won three games what's i mean l1's good and we just know they're good and is there anything more specific we can say about why they had such a good win rate here i uh i i'm gonna throw i'm gonna honestly say that they're they're of all the factions that were picked that amount of times, they're like one of the best. Yeah, probably Sarl had ten, Yin yeah. had eleven, uh, Mentech had ten. I, yeah. So I think the amount of times they were selected does kind of influence the data a little bit. I'm willing to at least right. throw it uh, and say that maybe one win should be a little like eh, because there it, it's just a sheer huge amount of times that they were played. Go ahead, Rick. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out that I think one of their biggest strengths in a, a large data set of games is their flexibility with uh, their yep. uh, yeah their racial tech that I don't remember what it's called somehow off the top of my head inheritance, inheritance that's the one uh, inheritance systems lets you just do anything tech wise that you need to accomplish for the game and I don't I don't actually know the stats on whether or not the winners had that tech uh, or how many yeah I, I haven't researched that. that I'll say this much I don't remember that many people getting it I, I remember a few there there were a yeah, few there, there was at least one okay. there was at least one that made good use out of it I think there was one yeah. that didn't I think one we had this weekend um, maybe yesterday mm-hmm. had an inheritance systems and just like didn't use it at all didn't do but, anything with but it, I think right. I think that added flexibility can really help yeah. They they have a flexibility with their tech path too cuz yeah. like I sometimes I think about it and I'll be annoyed about starting with a green red but they start they start with two really good green and red and then yeah. you really just can go blue and yellow which is a great great tech path right. uh, and you've already got two very <laughs> like kind of you know you've got neural and you've got plasma which are kind of the only two I would want if I was playing a more like blue minded faction yep right um so yeah, like it's if you get if your tech game is going well, um, then I think they're gonna do really well. And I think in yeah. the hands of a lot of um, really smart players, uh, they will find, um, you know, they'll find good, a good use for their abilities and uh, good tech to grab, and then good abilities to have. And then also that flagship is just crazy. And but they also got played a lot. I'm I, yeah. I want to keep throwing that out. And on top right. of that, both Barony and L1 have this in common. They have great economic home systems. 
all those yes. extra bonus resources set them just a little bit above the rest when everyone's slice is more or less the same. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so last up that I want to talk about, and the reason I want to talk about them last is because it's the Necrovirus with three wins out of eight games played, and also... Um, looking at the numbers, out of all the ones that got played a decent amount of times, they have the highest number of victory points scored. So we've, we've been tracking that. Now, there are some where it's like, okay, yeah, two points, I mean, two games played for Winu and their average score is eight. Well, we can't really, that's nothing. That's <laughs> yeah, not two yeah, games. Yeah. But out of eight games, uh, they have an 8.4 average score, which is the highest amongst the people with good, good amount of games played. Um, and I think we all felt this in Necro more than anybody else too. Yes. Like we saw, we we felt Necro doing better than any other faction. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I mean, obviously the Unaligned Magi game was a huge eye opener as to kind of why Magi, Magi, <laughs> Magi. But let's let's let, give me give me the overview of like why does Necro kind of I, honestly it out of the I kind of want to reuse some of the points that that Root just made about L one except yeah. like even further basically oh, yeah. Yes. yeah talk about um, flexibility <laughs> yeah yeah it's the most flexible faction um, and I, so I think when you have I, I think uh, ideally if I just watched like really really good Twilight Imperium players play for a year straight uh -huh. and that's all uh -huh. I did uh, to be able to design like a like a pro level tier list i feel like necro would probably have a lot of variants uh from like our more space cats peace turtles me and you yes. just plebs talking about this right um i feel like necro swings up a lot mm -hmm. because if you're playing the game really smart um you're not really you're you're not really limited by any of the things that i would say are kind of a downside of necro like as a casual player i might be like oh i have to fight for tech that sounds yeah. rough um, but if I'm really smart about it all the time, uh, then I'm gonna make I'm gonna turn that into a strength. Um, and also, Necro doesn't have to worry about buying tech. So right, I feel like free money. Yeah, yep, you're you're very freed by ha not having to use your resources in that way. And especially in a map that's so even, we're talking about uh, basically every Necro slice was like let's say. Let's just make up a random number. Let's just say it was four resources better than all yeah. of the other times anybody else played there. Let's right. say that. Let's just right. say every round. It was four. <laughs> yeah. But it's not, that's not what it works out to be, obviously, because they do have to fight for the tech. But if they're yeah. smart about it, it's sort of like that, yeah. which is a huge lead on everybody well, else. Well, and they're, they're getting more ships out on the board because they need to to get their tech and everything. And but I will say about all the Necro players that I saw, at least, people were very diplomatic. There were not... Uh, like right. in a lot of other necro games you just see people just go out and fight i just i, I yeah. need to fight I, for tech i just go out and fight but right. there were a lot of necro players who played the meta very well and yes. negotiated for uh you know to snipe a ship here and there or traded yeah. for a ship stuff like that and that that's huge on the the impact that your fighting has on the table and that's really important. yeah i I was totally caught off guard by how much necro deal making there was yes uh, even like there were times where we would get excited because Necro would like take trade and then convince somebody to like bring their ship over um, to them to be <laughs> like, oh, Necro is going to get trade and then also going to gobble up that ship for attack. And then they wouldn't even really do it like that. They would basically be like, all right, well, this is here. Um, can we do like a deal where I kill this but give you like a trade good or something like that? I don't remember how they would work out the deals, but it would be a lot of stuff like that where people were negotiating for to have combats that would get them more tech mm -hmm. um, and right. also 
I want to call it that people were really smart about what faction tech they selected from other factions. Very regularly, I was seeing Necro players just pick the right faction tech to take and yeah. get it. Even if that player was across the board from them, they yeah. would make a point to go get it, and then they would have that. I, I, I don't know. There was a... Well, we saw, we saw Necro with, like, L1 Super Dreadnought, like, several times to where it was yeah. just like, okay, this is fantastic. And I, I think they right. took advantage of having Mentech around multiple times as well. Yeah, yes, we saw... We definitely saw Mirror uh, Computing on a Necro plenty. It, it almost, like, watching... Watching this tournament made me feel like, oh, is Necro just like an S tier faction or something? And I just didn't they... know that. Like, <laughs> I think I think it's yeah, a, I, I mean... think it's a faction that just has a very high skill ceiling, uh, mm -hmm. and and the more you play, right. and the better of an overall player you are, the better you can perform as the Necrovirus. Right. Yeah. When yeah. when Hunter and I are doing a tier list that is for everybody, yeah. I can't put them in an S tier. I, I agree. But in yeah. this level of play, I am totally happy with putting them in an S tier. Definitely. Um, I, the mean, biggest, I, I mean, the, the biggest thing, I need the more big, data. Sure, Hunter I needs need more, more data. data. But the thing for me, really, I think it all barrels down to uh, command counters are really important at very high level play. Like just mm. having the options to do things, and the fact that you have two strategy cards that you can get command counters from. Yep. Like yeah. The the command Super counter cool. advantage in Necrovirus is enough for me to that is also huge or, and, and like the the fact that if you are low on influence run round one round you can spend resources instead on command counters and then the next round ooh I don't want to spend my influence on you know when when those objectives come out when it's eight influence and everyone else is like oh crap am I getting command counters or am I getting the point this round Necro gets to be like don't care I will get my <laughs> command counters from tech this round yeah. and I will get. I will get the the point, and they get to just keep doing what they do. Yeah, um, and so then, they, they just nothing slows them down. Right, and there's also all the weird ways that they'll that stuff like that will happen, like seeing like Necro play like focused research to turn uh -huh. like four trade goods into some command counters that they yeah. needed, like or like an agenda. You know, Ixthian artifact goes off and gives right. Necro six trade command counters. Yeah, like, command it's counters. like yeah, what it's... what is even happening? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to do a fun little breakdown now. Then to, we, we're talking about wins, but let's talk about just the let's talk about the draft a little bit. Can we before we so finish Hunter, talking about ooh, races? Ooh, yeah, actually, yeah, no, no, I, go ahead. No, I, I want to talk Alex. about the upsets, but yeah, go ahead. I, I want to talk about Medtech. Yes, uh, that's what okay. I want to talk about. <laughs> All right. Speaking of upsets, uh, Mentech are in general just a very middle of the road faction. They have some great advantages yep. and they have some disadvantages. Uh, yep. They were picked 10 times in this tournament and they won yep. zero games yeah. zero games they would have they yeah. they likely would have won one today to be fair they likely would have yeah. they i think they would have won one today well there's a couple there's that's the thing though is right mentac there's a couple games where mentac was right there okay this this game they I were mean, robbed pink of though, right? is a notable one there, there were at least three games where mentac was like right there on the edge of winning and then did, yeah. lost it for one reason or another sure but we just got done talking about how necro uh, is like a faction that maybe at a high level of play uh, is right like, gets better. Mm -hmm. Maybe, and this is Mentech a maybe. Maybe Mentech is not quite that. Like it's just yeah. too Mentech, easy to shut them out. Yeah. Well, that's this is what you always hear the the really active players on the Discord. So many of them dislike Mentech for exactly these reasons because they're the people that don't put up with Mentech BS. Yep. Right. right. At high level play, no one's no one yeah. like the only money Mentech gets is the stuff that they pillage. Yep. And, and, and then everybody makes smarter trades around Mentech's pillaging. Yeah. I, I am primarily a Mentech player. They are my faction. I love them to death. When I play yeah. Mentech, you don't pillage every time. You just can't. Like you right. cannot do you it. You have to be judicious. Yeah. You have to. You have to. You have to pick and choose your battles there. You have to make deals 
uh, with people not to pillage, like like patients right. tried to do today and did fairly successfully in many instances. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and you want to another thing that patients did today, which I was very happy with. He took trade at least once, maybe twice, and and make deals and include like I won't pillage from you this round, and you'll have extra commodities, and you'll make a trade with someone else who has extra commodities, and I won't pillage from those. And that's yeah. right. yeah. that that's really important to. It's another one of the things with the necros. You you have to cool the meta down because the meta is going to be yeah. against you just automatically, right. and you have to you have to take a step back and you be careful and don't pillage every time that you can. That's all well and good. There was a much bigger upset in this tournament than Mentax. Ten games played and zero wins, and that's the Nalu Collective with seven games oh, played that's true. and yeah. zero losses. What is going or zero on? Zero wins. Zero. Zero wins. Sorry, zero wins. Did I say losses? Whatever. Yeah. Um, uh, zero losses. They won and seven all games seven. Played. Isn't right. this awful? What's go? What's going on with Nalu at? at high level play like what happened i don't i can't wrap my head around this well one. This it's one only just... it's it's only seven which is a little bit lower for a faction that i would say kind of just just barely falls into the goldilocks zone of being yeah. like not going to be banned all the time right um i think yeah they're the they're the funniest one where it's almost every game that they didn't get banned in they did make it into the game like they very rarely got left out in fact if i pull it up the number of times they just weren't picked was one time yeah i saw that the the one time they made it through a a nomination process but didn't get drafted or you know picked was once um which is really pretty wild um i think on the surface and, they seem like a really good pick and they have the advantage of zero initiative which i th- i yeah. would have assumed in a competitive game where it should yeah, every I game should it, be close zero initiative right. is hugely important right right and it, and it was a lot of times i mean there were plenty of games that were decided by initiative but something was always setting the nalu back to where they weren't the ones in contention mm-hmm. In I don't even initiative. know what to say about it. I don't. I, don't, I, I, really, I really don't. Out. I can't. I, I have no analysis here that, that works I, for me. I feel like every... I'm trying to even look at like the pie slices that they were always in, and I don't know if that's giving me any information. I can't figure I th- out what I th- happened to Nala. I think it was just. I think it was just two. Every game, I think, was just different circumstances that came together against them. I don't think, in in my memory, that there was that there's any one thing I can pick out that that went wrong. I think. Yeah, that uh, was the primary issue. I, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah I, and, and I mean, even looking at it, it's not like they even because I'm going to talk about another faction here in a second. But but like Nalu was tried in a lot of different slices. Yeah, they they did not. It's not like some factions where they kind of always ended up in the same slice. They were in a lot of different slices, so they had multiple times to try different, you know, so, somewhat different like strategies. And yeah, yeah it's just it never like, today's our Nalu in a game eighteen like. There, there were things that they did wrong and things that went wrong for them that have really nothing to do with their faction, right? right. You know, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I, I'm curious. I want to hear the the community's feedback on this one of like, and, and especially from the players who played as Nalu. If you played as Nalu in this tournament, let me know what you feel like went wrong for you. I want, I want to hear back yeah, from you on this. Totally, on this point. totally. Um, the other uh, really big upset I want to talk about, though, is the Asarl Tribes with 10 games played and only one win, but how many games played in Dangerous Diplo? Uh, Seven or eight? A lot. Seven Many or of eight. them. Many of yeah. them. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to start counting it up, but let's talk about what the heck... I mean, so first off, why is Asarl always taking Dangerous Diplo? What's the logic there? there? Well, so there's a very it's simple the reason for this, right? actually. There's a very simple reason for this, a very easy explanation. That is, in many of those games, 
Isaro got picked first uh, oh, as, yeah, the, right. as the person at the top of the order, and then the snake draft exactly. came back to them at the end, and they were left with Dangerous Diplo. It was not a choice at yeah. all. Very often, and, and very often, too, even if it wasn't just their the, the last choice, it was that or something like Darien Slice. Yeah, which... And I agree with the logic of Dangerous Diplo has the blue skin. Yep. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's I want gravity drive as a Sarl, so I will go ahead and I will grab the blue skip. Right. So, so all of that makes total sense. Um, and so that's it's interesting to see how this is the one case in this tournament where I can feel like definitively the draft had a pro had had a an impact in the the ability of this faction. Yep. Yeah. Because I agree. of that, I agree. like the only reason Sarl did so poorly is because they are good but ended up in pretty bad slice. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that might be the same story with Nalu, actually. Now that Maybe, I think about but, but Nalu, but like I said, <laughs> Nalu didn't end up in the same slice over and over Yeah, and over that's again. true. Nalu was all over the place. I'm looking at it right now, yeah. Um, just, to, just to spoiler a little bit, Dangerous Diplo has the worst average score of any of the slices um, by not a huge margin, but definitely a noticeable margin. Yeah. Before so, we dive too much into the slices, I wanted to do one thing. I'm sorry. One one quick thing is just, Hunter, before we started all this, we did our TI election night, and we said what we thought our top bands and picks would be. And I, I, we gotta, we have to go back to these numbers, and we oh, gotta yeah, check them what, out. Oh, yeah. What were they? How, so how, here's, here's our top seven picks. Here's what we thought would be, not the most wins, but just most likely to be in games. So let's compare these to the actual numbers. Necro, L1Z1X, <laughs> Isarl. Ghosts, Yin, Barony, and Extra. Um, so the actual top seven was Barony, that's one. L1Z1X, that's two. Mentak, big surprise there. Yeah. Uh, Nalu, no, Nalu's not in the top seven. Oh, my numbers are off. Hang on. I'm still oh, looking at it. How dare you? No, 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 I've got it though. Um, Isarl. So that one is a bit of a bit of a surprise in terms of they are higher than they were on our list. Asarl was our third from the the bottom of this, but uh, Asarl's on the list. Yin is on the list. Extra is on the list. Necro. Uh, what I say? L1 Mentak. So Mentak and Mentak's the only outlier here. It looks like. Um, right. That we do you can not swap predict. Mentak out for ghosts, and then mm-hmm. with that, our our list is correct. So ghosts played. Um, a lot less than we thought they would. And Mentak played quite a bit more than we thought that they would. Yeah, Ghost played a lot less and had pretty poor showings. They only had an average victory point score of 6.8 over all the games they were played in. They Mm -hmm. were only played in four games, so I don't know how important that average VP score is. Uh, But yeah, not... uh, Did not do so hot, really. Yeah. Um, And what's funny to me about this is... because. I think of people liking ghosts, but that's because that's like a casual player thing, right? Ghosts are fun. But at the end of the day, I think this is what shows that people don't feel confident with the ghosts. Mm-hmm. When you play ghosts, you know you're going to have a wild ride, generally speaking. I have a generic theory that I kind of just thought up on the spot to throw out about, about the ghosts on this map. And that is that one of their, maybe even their one biggest strength is their ability to kind of later on in the game get to places to get control objectives that are yep. unexpected or otherwise difficult to reach. And one of the mm-hmm. things about this map is that everyone's slice mm-hmm. tended to be very compact and therefore very well defended. So it was kind of difficult to crack that open. To get in. Yeah. And the the wormholes were very spread out, and I can't tell if that scared people off or not. Um, 
people, you know, just like not having easy access to jump into those wormholes and do all kinds of stuff. But the fact that they're getting you all over the map, I don't know. It's it's an interesting idea. But but my real argument here is why didn't that logic apply to Mentak? Because I th- I personally think the same way about Mentak. I mm-hmm. think Mentak is going to be a wild, bumpy ride, and Ghost is going to be a wild, bumpy ride. But Mentak far and away over you know pick yeah. more than than you know i don't i don't know i don't know why they were picked so much i really don't um yeah i don't have an answer for that at all i i yeah. like i i feel like they're a lot of fun and and can be really good but like i'm super biased and i i also objectively know that they're not actually that strong for several reasons yeah. um right so I, I don't know why they were picked 10 times i don't i don't really get it to be honest well Let's talk about some pie slices then. Yeah, let's talk about uh, so slices. So Hunter, you were talking about Dangerous Diplo, right? Mm-hmm. It's got the it's got the worst score um, with only one win, and Darian Slice also only has one win. So these two were the worst slices, and we saw this. They were often the last picks. Yep. Um, people just agreed they weren't good. Um, Darian Slice almost didn't get a single win until one of these last couple games here. So mm-hmm. very uh, Darian Slice very likely was gonna was looking like the worst slice. Um, mm-hmm. But and Darian Slice makes sense to me because Darian Slice, the issue with it is it's hard to spend yep. your influence. Super inefficient in Darian Slice. It's really right. in, annoying and inefficient to get your command counters in Darian Slice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, every other slice has some sort of a one three or a zero three or the Aaron Amir combo, which is just easy to yeah. use. Right. Um, so Darian Slice is the only one that really suffers. Um, you could say Dangerous Diplo also suffers, which is the other reason it's on the bottom. It's kind of an, a tricky diplomacy or not diplomacy a leadership slice um but it's got at least a couple more options mm-hmm. uh with dalbutha exxon um darian slice just doesn't have that i want to make a quick connection with darian slice um we had the yin brotherhood were played 11 times and i don't know how many were in darian slice but it was a lot of them yeah were yeah. in darian slice um so there were a lot of people that picked yin put them where you know put them in the slice that was named after them uh, and then lost, and Yen just didn't seem to... It seemed like Darian Slice was not uh, not the best slice, probably the worst slice, yep. and then Yen kind of struggled in general, um, no matter where they were. Right. Uh, I think the only Yen victory was somebody that did not... Pl- they played them, I think, in Slice of the Gashlai. It was Slice of the Gashlai, yeah. if, if I remember right. Um, I, I think that's that even more points out the problems of Darian Slice, too, which is, like, the, the reason it's called Darian Slice is because of all those two-influence planets. Mm-hmm. And if you are Yin, that means you're using those two-influence planets, which means you have even less influence to get for command counters. Yeah. So in a normal game where, like, the map gets built in a different way, that's the thing about Yin, is Yin wants a very high influence slice you need Mm -hmm. lots and lots of influence because you need to be able to do both things you need command counters and you need indoctrination and darian slice does not offer a path for that um so dangerous diplo though what the heck happened there barrier to four is just a bad system or what (laughs) uh what is the explanation there for for dangerous diplo it's i barrier to four is a challenging system to quantify it like on paper yeah. it's amazing it has the most numbers on it you know like that's yeah, that's numbers where, that are sounds good. great uh but, but it's, it's not also being used efficiently yeah, it's super it's super inefficient like you almost never use that influence for anything but votes and right. when you have to use that two three system for a token it it feels bad it hurts so hard right mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. 
yeah, and and it actually dangerous Diplo is if you there's in Evernoob's cheat sheet there's actually a a tournament map analysis, and if you're trying to use it efficiently, it is the, the lowest value slice, right? Most everything is at 11. Dangerous Diplo is at 10 total value, and Slice of the Gashlight is at 12. So, so Dangerous Diplo showing up as weaker and proving to be uh, weaker. Uh, also of note that it's only got the one tech skip. There's a couple slices with two. Uh, it's hard to get to other people's tech skips from Dangerous mm-hmm. Diplo. Um, and I feel like I always saw people struggling to get planet trait objectives here. Even though you have two hazardous and two cultural, finishing that out, you had really difficult access. Because yeah. other slices, you don't have, you don't quite have it, but you don't have to go that far to get it. Yeah. But Dangerous Diplo always had to go like across the map to go get the rest of their traits. Yeah. Well, and I believe uh, all of the all of their opportunities to to accomplish uh, that like all the easiest ones, the ones that would make the most sense, would most of the time involve uh, striking at the hex right in front of somebody's home system, which yeah. is generally speaking the most defended hex. Like like the easy example is you've got Dangerous Diplo, you've got Berrigan and Lerda 4 for two hazardous, and then what are you going to do? Go to like Mirror uh, and then Sacculag and Slice of the Gashlight? Like that's that's a lot. Right. And Aranam Mirror is likely going to be defended pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, they're just it just doesn't work and, out and that well. And on, on the right type. side, your other option for another hazardous is Melon Zobat, but the big problem there is you have that nebula constantly in the way. So you only have right. one path into Melon Zobat, and that was constantly giving people problems. Um, let's talk about the the other weird thing. We're talking about uh, Slice of the Gashlight having the most value. Going into this tournament, I think everybody expected Slice of the Gashlight to be the best slice, and right. yet it is the middle. It's our, it's our, it only won three times. It's got a 7.5 score rate, which is basically uh, its second highest, but way behind in, in those numbers. It's kind of middle of the pack, like tied with the other middle three. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened to Slice of the Gashlight? Um, I have one opinion, which is probably just that it very often got picked first, which means you very often had weaker factions there. Sure. sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I also think that um, I don't know how much the data backs this up, but I think that if we look at how many of the strong, uh, the races with strong economic home systems got picked, very few of them mm-hmm. ended up in that slice very often. So I agree. So you don't have yeah. a lot of resources there, and that can start to really hurt as the game goes on. Right. Yeah, I, 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 this is anecdotal purely, but I remember multiple times seeing someone in the slice of the glass, gash line and having the thought, man, they just don't have a lot of stuff, do they? Yeah. They, they mm-hmm. look really mm-hmm. weak. Yep. And that felt really persistent throughout the whole tournament. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spread really thin in general. Um, they won three games. <coughs> what I, I'm wondering who what what factions won in Slice of the Gashlight. I know it was right. Yin at one point, which actually right. kind of fits. I feel like with what you're saying, like because Yin is kind of a like hold on kind of faction, you know, right. like uh, like things didn't go well, but I've still got all of my planets kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, Jolnar, Jainor one is Jolnar. Jolnar, okay. Jainor so, one is Jolnar. So we can kind of throw that out as being because it's Jolnar, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. Uh, nine of spades, one is yin, so that's the one we're talking about there. Mm-hmm. Um, the L1Z1X Mantis game was there. Uh, so oh, that, okay. that's, so uh, every time a good, that, yeah. here's what's happening. Every time a good faction gets in Slice of the Gashlight, guess what yeah. happens? They that's they win. That, that's that they economic win, yeah. powerhouse M system. You need to do well there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, like looking, here's some random ones I'm picking out. Yeah, Muat was, was in it. Krias, right. 
nor a lot of bad factions got there. Exactly. And it's probably because of what you're saying. Yeah, they 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 chose the faction right away mm-hmm. and then got left with whatever was left. So let's let's jump into our tied for for second with four wins each and also the exact same average score of 7.3, Little and Tight and Fast and Cultured are apparently the yeah. exact same slice. Yeah. Just the same same difference. Doesn't no, matter. No, they're great. They're great. They were good um, slices. Yeah, I mean, there, there's not even much to say with them. Uh, they're, they're just solid. Uh, I think they were the highest variance of like when they were getting picked and what factions were ending up in them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they both did what they set out to do little and tight was like one of the first ones we named and it was named for being just like you've got five resources in abyss freya you've got your influence in in case and rare on like everything is set up to just be spent efficiently yeah it turns out efficiency is very good in this board game yeah speaking mm-hmm. of efficiency the uh the the slice that did the best has some of the most uh, efficient planets in any of the slices yeah for sure yeah for sure yeah. um yeah, no, it's it's uh, you got your green skip in little and tight, uh, and that's a good skip to have uh, for a lot right. of factions. Um, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what to say about the especially uh, little and tight. Here's, here's what I'll say about tight. little and tight has the most interesting relationship because little and tight has p- completely open access to slice of the gashly. Right. Every other faction, every other oh, slices have that's anomalies true. in between them, and Little and Tight has this efficient little slice. And then also, how many times did we see a player in Little and Tight jump over to Lazar Sack? It was actually a lot. Stuff? That did happen yeah, very a frequently. A lot very of the times. And, and that was always where they needed to get their fourth hazardous or like another tech specialty or whatever. Like, people were always getting into that slice, and, and you had good access from Little and Tight. Um, fast and cultured is just uh, I, I think the blue skip is a big deal there yes. um, not just and, I want to say this not just the blue skip but the fact that it's next to your home system and you can take it right, right there next to you yeah yep. yeah I agree it's a big that. deal to get that fast yep. um, so let's talk about big and tight um, big and tight had five wins so it's only one more than little and tight and fast and cultured but points wise way above mm-hmm. everybody else mm-hmm. it's got 8.1 average score um, across all games. Yeah. Um, so not only are people winning more often in big and tight, but everyone is performing better in big and tight. Yeah. Yeah. I want to point out though, real quick, before we get deep into big and tight, that even though slice of the Gashly had a lower win rate, it's average score was a little bit higher than little and tight and fast and cultured, right. which I don't right. even know. Slice how to of the Gashly still did well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It still did well, but it did not win. It just didn't. It never finished. Yeah. It didn't <laughs> yeah. clinch it. Uh, and then big and tight, just I think being just the overall best. Uh, it, it, it comes down to what you guys were saying before, but a lot of it is just like efficiency. Mm-hmm. Uh, the yeah. way that the resources and the influence, mostly the 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 way that you're never really having to spend. If you're spending planets for influence, you're never really having to spend too much yeah. uh, of anything. And Torcan just being there being that zero three is uh, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, and, and I think big and tight has the most options not the most, but always had great options for trade. People were always parking in those asteroid fields and gravity rifts, getting trades established. You also always had the gravity rift as an option when you needed it. So you were able to make the big final plays to finish the game out. Um, and I think green skip next to the home system helps lots and lots of factions. Yep. Yep. We, one of my favorite games was seeing Mentac, uh, pick diplomacy round one and take new Albion and get cruiser two right away. I loved it. It was great. Love it. Favorite play of the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, are we? Does this wrap up our prelude? Is there any there, final? There notes? are some things I want to talk about still about like overall yes. behavior yeah, of players. Yep, uh, let's do it. 
I want to talk Let's first of all when I of the previews. Yeah, when I when we were going into this tournament, one of the things that I wanted to see the most was a, aggressive play and and breaking mm-hmm. deals and lying. And I wanted to see that because uh, <laughs> of the something we mentioned earlier, which is why do you care if you piss someone off in a tournament game where you will right. never see this person again? Right. Yep. Right. And and it's cutthroat. It's a tournament. Like it should be more competitive than your average game with your friends on TTS or in person. And yep. and I feel like by and large we didn't see that, and I was really nope. disappointed. There were there yeah. were like a couple games where there was some really cool aggression, and there was some some cool backstabbing deals that happened, uh, and I liked I liked it a lot when that happened. But like people just weren't aggressive, and I don't. And people are going to blame the map for this, and I think that that would be wrong. I don't think mm-hmm. it's the map's fault, almost at all, if any. Yeah, we had a lot of games that where there was. Uh where it just felt like the general <coughs> attitude of all the players was like very pro lots of negotiation. Yeah. I mean like trade was the strongest strategy card data wise. And I don't think that's just because trade is fantastic or really d- necessarily having to do with any of the points we made before. I also just think it had to do with the attitude of the players that was and the, the way meta their meta the worked. Yeah. yeah. Well, the and, meta and, of the and I think the map trade, leads into that not fight. Yeah. That's yeah. part of the meta of the map is like, if you want to really get stuff from someone, you have to, fully commit to digging into their pie slice yeah. which then turns everyone into like well if you're going to get into my pie slice i need something i need something big in reciprocation for that mm-hmm. so i need to get either into your slice I agree, or you need to pay me a lot there are so many times in this tournament that i have read people talking on the discord about their game after they played where they said something along the lines of oh man i really should have invaded so and so's home yep. system yeah they or, always wish they'd been I, more aggressive i really yeah i really should have been really aggressive in that point and i would say at almost every moment except for and here's the notable uh, example yeah. of not doing this. Uh, Magi, number one. Woohoo! Go Magi! Uh, Magi didn't play like that. Magi nope. invaded home system or uh, blockaded home system space stocks when it was necessary. Yep. Um, yep. There were- and a lot of other players would get to that point where they could see the opening, where they were like, oh, I can go for the throat right now. And they now. would say it and out loud. And they'd make too. a deal. They'd make a deal right. instead. They'd well, be like, they well, would- how about you and give I, me something? I would hear and I someone won't. else multiple times. I remember hearing someone be like, "No, you should do that." And the other person was like, ah, "I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that cutthroat." And it's like, "What are you talking yeah. about? You don't want to be that cutthroat." There was a I game. I wanted to be more cutthroat going forward. I don't remember which game number it was, but uh, if you guys remember the player Fabian, um, yep. our, our yes. Swedish oh, I'll never player, forget Fabian. He, <laughs> he did some stuff that just tickled my fancy so so hard. Mm. He forced so he forced his way into his neighbor's slice forced a support for the throne trade and then yep. forced the other player to give up his support for the throne to take his slice back and it was wow. amazing like it was, it was great. so good and that that game and, and, and fabian was the one them. who was not only breaking deals but completely unapologetically breaking deals yeah. um making the other players apologize for him breaking their <laughs> deals. Like, I'm sorry I assumed you wouldn't break that deal. I don't know what I was thinking. I was foolish of me. Yes, I know, quite, yeah. quite. So thank you very much. And, uh, <laughs> was, we'll, we'll see you later. Good, good, good going. Have fun in the game. I'm going to crush you now. It was, it was great. It was, it was really nice to see. And, and one of the things that happened in this last game today, um, patience refreshed at one point with trade everybody on the table and after yeah. spending several minutes negotiating trades with everyone and then half the table just said no afterwards they're like nope yeah. we're not gonna trade with you now and right. and i want to see more of that like go back yeah. on your words sometimes especially when it's a mentac well, player across the board and they can't retaliate i think going into the semis things are gonna get 
heated. Yep. Yeah, and things wild. are going to be different. Yeah. Uh, we've got a map that we need to reveal that is going to be in favor of that, but also just to say it like all these players we're talking about are ones that said, I wish I'd been a little bit more aggressive a couple, you know, I think they're going to go into the semis thinking about that yeah. and knowing that they are up against good players. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm not, there, there were obviously players. This is an, this was an open invitation tournament. There were players in this tournament that were weaker performers mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. the better players capitalized on that. Yeah. Going to the semis, we have a very evenly matched field, which sure. means there's a lot of expectations on them to 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 find a new way to prove themselves yeah. they, yeah. they have to get they have to find new ways to get ahead yeah. because just getting a good deal off of someone who probably shouldn't be giving you that good of a deal but they maybe don't know any better sure. that's it's not going to happen, happen in the semis uh, and there's there's one other thing i want to bring up that i saw almost none of and and it it, it costs people games frequently and that is that people as long as these go games took, people were not taking the time to figure yes. out what other people oh, could score. Oh my god! Yeah, like <laughs> they do not take the time to to look at someone's slice and their tech yep. and their planets and what they have and what thing what secrets have been scored to try to figure yep. out what secrets someone could have or what public objectives right. they could score. Like people just weren't doing it so much, and it's crazy. Right. You have to take the time to do that. You have to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the players that did do this, I think, deserve, like, special mention. Because it's like anybody who... There were a few games I know of that people... There, there was, like, one player at the table just being like, hey, why isn't anyone paying attention to so-and-so? Yeah. We need to worry about so-and-so. Oh, and also look at that, like, counting everybody's stuff. Yeah. And they're mm -hmm. doing all the legwork for everybody else at the table. And people are going right. to call us and, out and, for being like, uh, well, you guys are observers. You guys see everything and, and know everything. But that's and, what it but takes. Like, and, and there are several things that we talk about and see that that has nothing to do with the perfect information that we might have there's no. plenty of things there's there's so much information that you can deduce if you just take the time uh to to look at it and figure it out and a lot part, right. part of that is being familiar with like the secret objective all the deck. Components. like you just right i i expect everyone in the semifinals game to have that deck memorized if you don't you don't mm -hmm. belong oh for sure you have no, I think they it. all do too. Yeah, you, you've got to know it, and you got to be looking out for it. Um, and and not even that though. Plenty of times we saw players not even counting out what public exactly, and that's was going to be able to score. And that's, that's like just crazy. Yeah, you, we won't see that in the semis at all. Right. Also, but, I I just want to say that I've I've seen it. I I've seen players play that way where they are actually looking at each other's. Oh yeah, stuff. absolutely. I know it, it didn't not done. happen. It's not. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's not magic. Uh, when we when we did when we watched the Gen Con tournament, um, almost every game had a lot it. of doing. Like there, yeah. Two of the games that I moder or not moderated, I didn't moderate those. Uh, <laughs> no, Blark, but Blark observed. Knob Daddy did. Um, Knob Daddy. But the did. two that I observed, uh, they would successfully deduce the leader's secret objective all the time. Like right. they always figured it out. Yeah. And it's yeah. um, it's not that hard. It's really not. No, it's really yeah. not. You just watch their behavior. They're gonna do or be set up to do uh, only a couple things. Exactly, and you, and then you just run through what they can do. If they're not do. talking a lot, then you just run through what they could do and you, you try and stop them from doing as much as you can. Yep. Um, Absolutely. Are we ready to reveal I'm ready. the so semi-final Space Cats out. Peace Turtles <laughs> I'm freaking out. Pat Ron tournament yes. Yes. map Yes. I'm looking at it on TTS right now. I'm okay. zooming in and out, in and out. Okay, let's let's cover how this because if you ha if you if it's been a while since we did this, we've only done it once before. Um, but we're about to talk about a bunch of visual information. So from here on out, things are gonna get really really weird. 
Yeah, um, good luck listening to this, sweetheart. Good luck listening to this, but and especially because last time it was even easier to cover this because the pie slices were so easily defined, uh -huh. and this time around, it, it ain't the same thing. So right, so I what's talk, the general idea? Let's talk about the I big idea. I want to talk idea. about the general idea of this map. Um, the biggest idea is there are essentially no planets in ring three, which is the ring that the home systems are in. So nobody except for one player and we'll get into why but nobody has systems to their left or to their right on this map every single planet is in the center of the map mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, there is nothing but planets in the center of the map there are no empty spaces and there are no anomalies for the entire two rings surrounding mechatol rex so that's the oh. big thing um, put if that you, if in your pipe and smoke it. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. If you're wanting to look at the map while you listen along to this, uh, there will be a Reddit post with it. It'll be on the Discord. We'll try to get it out there. The uh, The prelim map eventually got everywhere, but it did take a few days. But we, we will make sure this is online and viewable while you're listening to this episode. But we're still going to try to convey it to you audibly uh, as best as we can. So that's the general idea, and that's the one thing, um, if we're gonna talk about anything that maybe ends up changing about this map, which with the prelims map, we did end up changing two little system switches, right? We, we, we moved a couple planets around, and uh, we only did it because the changes that were suggested we're fell good. in line <laughs> with the theme of the map and only improved the map by the numbers. Yes. But we're not accepting any changes that fundamentally change the structure of the map. We have accepted this as what semis will look like. And the only thing that could be changed is like, oh, we totally just bungoed how we decided to put this, uh, this <coughs> value in there or whatever. So let's start going around and let's start with bottom left. Bottom left is a slice that we are calling... <laughs> the Revenge of the Gashly. Uh, revenge of the Gashly is thusly named because this is the closest holdover from the prelims map, Slice of the Gashly. It's the closest thing you'll see to anything that looks like a slice in uh, the prelims map. Um, adjacent, anything that's adjacent to your home system, you should always assume is Torwood's Mechatar X because otherwise you have nothing. So adjacent to your home system is Lazar Saculag. That's a 1-0 and a 2-1 with a yellow tech skip. And then your two adjacents on your left and right are two empty systems. So nothing like especially defensive, but nothing wild. You just have this blank space that you're sitting between. On the way to Mechatar Rex, you also have Saudor, which is a 2-2. But let's talk about the equidistance. Uh, the other big theme of this map is the equidistance are the best six systems in the game, uh, per our numbers. When you get into like what the fifth and sixth best system is, it gets a little muddy. There are pretty much four obvious bests, and then you can debate what the, what the next best ones are. Right. But, Revenge of the Gashly in their left equidistant. And again, for those who aren't familiar, an equidistant system is the one that is the equal distance that you and your neighbor both have to it. So you are both two spaces away from it, which means neither of you have like squatters rights over it. Whereas mm -hmm. with the pie slice is defined by everything that you are closer to than any other player. So the left equidistant is RNAM Mir, a 1-2 and a 0-4 with a red skip. So once again, we see RNAM Mir and Lazar Sakulag. They're brothers. They're back together again. The gang is here and ready to, to build you some war sons. Uh, please do so. Um, <laughs> how, many how many prelims games did we see non-Muat players get war sons? I game think 18, the Ghost baby. player in game 18 was the only time it ever yep. happened. So too. Yep. One time. There, I think there may have been one time where someone yes, researched someone it, researched but I don't think it, anybody else got them. Yeah. Um, okay, so then your right equidistant is 
Berig and Lerda four, a three one and a two three. So guys, let, let's walk through this slice. First things first, why did they have the two best systems as their equidistance? Uh, mm, well, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> they, I, I think uh, that we all somewhat regard this slice as as maybe the worst. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to say this it's much about this map. This map uh, is not as balanced as the prelims map by design. We are yeah. we are dealing with yeah, a draft. Someone, We're leaning more into the draft sends, in this phase. If someone sends Matt a recommendation for how to change the map <laughs> and it's about balance, don't just don't bother. Don't. Right. We're not trying to balance because <laughs> we're, we're there's there's a little bit of a sense of like no the balance is in the weak slices get good factions. This yes. is where we're starting to move into. First round was trying to be safe for everyone, but we are now moving away from safe territory. So Lazar Sakulag is an only okay system and Saudor is kind of an annoying planet to have and the other thing about Lazar Sakulag is it's just three resources and basically no influence so all of your influence is made up for in the fact that you have Aaron Amphmir nearby and Baraglerda right. 4 is just to make up for the fact that uh, Revenge of the Gashlai is just kind of a, a, a risky slice to be in, but you get benefited if you get a jump on one of those equidistants. It's also, I think, to give you a route to four planet types. So Revenge of the Gashlai is going to be the slice where if you need to get four of the same type, it better be hazardous. Right. Um, possibly industrial. Uh, industrial is a possibility uh, for sure. Uh, but it's one of those two with uh, probably hazardous being the easier one to claim, depending on how you yeah. think about it. Yeah. Um, so I think the other thing, too, is that while they're getting access to the two best, they're, 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 both the equidistance are the two best, uh, because they're such juicy systems, they are definitely going to have to fight for them, yep. and they are likely not going to have both of them. I think if you have both no. of them, good for you, and that's awesome going forward. You're going to do well. But that's yeah. probably not going to happen. No. Um, well, and, and that should be said about every slice, honestly. To get both of your equidistance is just always going to be hard in this. Map. Right, right. I think we're going to see a lot of games where everybody either goes right or everybody goes left. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely <laughs> And, and just like, that's that, that's that's what then defines your pie slice is the two in front of you and then the equidistant to your left and everybody goes that way. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to say that's noteworthy to me about Revenge of the Gashlight, it is the second worst for access to wormholes. <laughs> Um, you are two spaces away from the empty beta and very far away from any alpha wormholes. Yeah. And that, that feels important to me. Um, efficiency is probably good to bring up as well because even though you've got access to Barrack Lerda, Lerda 4, uh, if you don't also have Aaron Amir, you're basically, uh, you're not doing too hot for influence, no. basically. Yeah, you're going to you, have a command counter problem. I'm going to say from the onset, it kind of feels like you probably need Aaron Amir more than you need Barrack Lerda 4 unless you're playing yep. a faction that doesn't have that issue Influence like if you're problems, a necro yeah. or something right uh, and you have other ways to get command counters uh it's probably going to be a fight for air nam mirror versus yep. barrack lair four absolutely so let's talk about our next slice going in clockwise order so top left uh we're calling this bento box mm -hmm. uh, does anyone want to describe why this is called bento box well you wanted to call it what did you want to call it boxed i want to call in? it boxed in yeah that was my yeah. that was my tentative name but that's not creative name. enough so we went with bento box so we decided to be funny oh, i'm gonna take uh, the reason you're in i'm just gonna put that out there yeah, yeah, yeah no that was you. that's alex's uh the reason you're in the bento box here is your right equity or not your right equidistant but your right adjacent system is the uh nebula and your neighbor's right adjacent anomaly is the uh, 
war sun uh, <laughs> my words the supernova so you are in between two more or less impassable anomalies um so you're you're in the box you're you're in you're on the hot box and your left adjacent system is the empty alpha wormhole so if anybody wants to they can jump in the box with you yeah um but beyond that you're kind of safe in the box right like nobody's gonna you you can't get out of your box very easily but nobody's coming into your box very easily um your adjacent planets are arnor lore which is a 2-1 and a 1-2. And then on your path to Mechatol Rex is Tarman, a 1-1 with a green skip. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, on your right is RNA Mir. And on your left, equidistant, is Melon Zobat, the 0-2 and a 3-1. Um, so Bento Box is the weird one where this is the lowest value um, of all of the pie slices. Like the yes. lowest raw numbers. You've got optimally, you can get two resources, three uh influence out of your actual planets you have a claim to um you've got you just you don't have a lot but you are way more protected than anybody else probably on the entire map Uh, yes another another interesting and important thing to note about this slice is you have in your own slice you have three industrial planets and very good claim to three and mirror with the fourth industrial is just to your right Mm-hmm. Yeah, or or Wellen and Saudor are both adjacent to your uh, Mechatol Rex territory, so like very easy to get for someone. Is- Which is honestly another reason that I made the case that in Revenge of the Gas or in the Revenge of the Gas slice, you're probably going to be shooting for hazardous because your neighbor is probably shooting is gonna most likely get for those industrials. industrials. So yeah. there's going to be a really weird relationship there, and probably some awkward planet trading that will probably happen. I yeah, think. I, I think so. Um, so the the other the, basically the big Achilles heel to Bento Box is that alpha wormhole of yes. someone of of basically the people on the other side of the board where the Lodor system is. Someone could eventually jump through that if they wanted to get into your home system. Um, but that's kind of their only way to your home system besides coming through your front door. Um, mm-hmm. So it is and it isn't. You know, if you just park a destroyer there, like they've got to come slowly or get light wave. So I don't know. I I like Bento Box personally. Um, for those extras, those defensive players, yeah, but yeah. you got to find a way to like get your points, right? I mean, obviously you need to at some point get out of your box, but your box itself should be fairly defended. And a green skip's not horrible for extra. So, yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. we probably will see at least one player pick extra and then Arnor lore is just going to be a fortress basically. Yes. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So next uh, the 12 o'clock position is dreadful influence our top position is defined by a supernova on the right an empty system on the left uh in front of your home system is cornique resculon a one two and a two zero and wellen a one two with a yellow skip on the path to mechatol you've got melon zobat on your right equidistant and your left equidistant is centauri grawl a one three and a one one with a blue skip um so this one's called dreadful influence because a uh, you've got the blue and yellow skip, so almost anybody could get Dreadnought 2 here very, very easily mm-hmm. if they decided to go for it. This is this is the Dreadnought slice if you yes. want it to be. Um, but also, the influence is annoying and hard to come by here. This, this is really tricky to make your influence efficient to be spent. In the slices or in the systems that like are yours by rights, you can really only spend like four influence there's no way to spend three influence for the counters you don't have an easy breakup of that so you're really inclined to like go to melon to get that zero two to make it 
a zero two, a one two, and a one two. But as we saw with uh, Darian slice, yeah. even that is an yeah. annoying it's way to spend influence. Of so you're 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 yes. better off going to Centauri to get that one three because at least that is like a more guaranteed uh, command counter. So so just getting command counters in the slice is going to be really tricky. And we that maybe that turns out to be like a really really terrible problem. But um, I think it has an access to enough money and really good tech skips that uh, I think this slice could could come out ahead with it. The other big note for me is this is the slice with the worst access to the wormholes. Um, you've got a supernova in between you and the empty alpha wormhole, and basically every other wormhole is just like on the other side of the map. Yeah. Um, so don't expect to see essentially any wormhole play in this pie slice. Yeah, so I've, I think you summed it up really well in that the pitch for this slice is it is like Darian Slice's cousin um, with much, much better uh, tech path access. Yeah. I mean, having a blue and a yellow within reach is uh, super cool. I mean, just the yellow in Darien Slice was cool too, but this right. is plus a blue, which is arguably the best, so. Right, yeah, definitely. It's um, like it's like Fast and Cultured and Darien Slice had yeah, a baby. shoved together. That's yeah, what it is. Because <laughs> you you've also got the four culturals um, if you count both, that's again, that's going to be some weird planet trading. Almost all the traits um, are going to work out that way in every slice where yeah. you've either got three or you've got two and they're the fourth uh, or the third and the fourth are in the equidistance. So you got to figure out how you're going right. to make that happen. Yeah, everybody has more or less access to four traits. That, yes. But again, it's like you're going to be getting into equidistance to do it. There's no yes. way around that. Yes. Um, so we've been having fun here. We've got Revenge of the Gashly. We've got Bento Box. We've got Dreadful Influence. All these names are very suggestive of what what's going on. Um, mm -hmm. Hunter, will you please introduce us to our fourth slice in the top right position? Oh, okay. This one's called Arby's. <laughs> Arby's, like the uh, roast beef and uh, chicken franchise. Arby's. It's called Arby's. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so if you Arby's, don't, when you pick it, you have to say, I'm thinking Arby's. I'm thinking Arby's. <laughs> so like if somebody's like, which slice are you picking? You got to be like, I'm thinking well, Arby's. I was thinking Arby's. I don't know. Love that chicken from Popeye's. Um, <laughs> on the right, you've got a uh, asteroid field. On the left, this is the only slice with um, extra, uh, with a planet system. But that's because uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> You've got Quan to your left. You've got the beta wormhole with a 2-1 adjacent to you. Um, and going on your way to Mechatorex, in front of your system is Vefa 2, which is a 2-2. This is the only slice that does not have a two-planet system adjacent to their home system. Instead, they have two one-planet systems adjacent to their home system. And then on the path to Mechatorex, they have a Meharzul 1-3 with a red skip. Um, to their right equidistant is, of course, Centauri Grawl. And on their left equidistant is Kaysen Raron, a 1-2 and a 0-3. Um, Arby's is weird. Um, it's who wants roast beef from a fast food chain? I don't know how to define it. No, um, we, we call it Arby's for two reasons. One, you've got easy access to basically three culturals, and you've got good access to two hazardous, and you also have good access to a blue skip and a red skip. So it's R and it's B, and it's R and it's B, and it's Arby's. Um, it's Arby's. So this one is the highest uh, value system in its pie slice. Like it's the most money you can get. You can, you can do the most with it. Um, that being said, you have to do a little bit more work to get it, right? You have to take one extra system, 
and you got to hold one extra system and that extra system also happens to be a beta wormhole so you kind of have an extra neighbor um, that's going to come up later but so you, you really have three neighbors um, your left side neighbor is going to have a gravity rift coming towards you so you I would say Arby's is a really good slice with really good options in terms of like what you're going to be able to get there's lots of command counters accessible to Arby's but all of that is under threat yes I, yeah, I will also I, I say totally this is the one slice where actually getting four of one trait is going to be a serious challenge because they only have three, even including their equidistance. I'll say this much, though. Uh, you also have the best access to two wormholes. Yeah, true. Um, yes. or, or like you're tied for best, right? So you can get through wormholes to go find other ones. So you've only got two hazardous in your slice, but if you go through that beta, there's plenty more hazardous over there. And you've, you've got very few uh, cultural, but if you start digging into your neighbor slice, there's plenty more to get. So you don't have to go that far to get the rest. But yeah, within your slice and your equidistance, you don't have enough to get those planet traits. And that also ties into like, you've got a good slice, but you, the points are harder to come by. I expect that because of this slice, we will possibly see an uptick in ghost uh, picks. Yes. In, uh, guys, I just feel like this is this would actually be a great slice for the ghost you have I easy so. access to a wormhole uh that they're going to be able to make use of in a way that no other no one else in this uh slice yeah, is going to be able to this is a hard map for wormholes this this yes. map sucks for wormholes i'll be open about that this is not a good wormhole map uh it, it is really quite annoying to get around these wormholes but ghost is going to be freaking nasty in it honestly yeah um and with the red and the blue skip that's pretty tasty in my opinion yep for true that. very Agreed. true what were you going to say, Alec? Um, oh. You wanted to introduce the next uh, slice, maybe. No, I, I wanted to just mention that no. uh, the secret objective become the gatekeeper is going to be a very serious, if not impossible, task for some people. Yep. Yes. But not, not for Arby's and not for kind of this side of the yep. map, I would say a little bit more yep. so. Um, so let's do bottom right. Uh, bottom right is a slice that we are calling. Well, Arthur's, you're calling. You're I'm calling, calling it, it, and <laughs> it is called Arthur's Dent. Uh, Arthur's Dent Such a Matt joke It's not even really a joke is it It's just like It's just a thing that Matt likes That he just painted on the thing I forced into this space game Um, This is the spaciest of the slices This is the weirdest slice This is the most um, If you're in Arthur's Dent You are probably going to have a wild ride Because you've got a gravity rift to your right Uh, To your left is an empty system. You've got Dalbutha Exxon adjacent to you, so a 0-2 and a 1-1. But then you've got Lodor on your path to Mechatol Rex, which is a 3-1 with the Alpha Wormhole. Uh, Your right equidistant is, of course, Case and Raron. And your left equidistant is Starpoint New Albion, a 3-1 and a 1-1 with a green skip. So you have really good access to both of the wormholes, Alpha and Beta, both good sides of the wormholes. Um, but one of them is through a gravity rift, um, and you can use this gravity rift for all kinds of things. But I, I think if you're not doing ghosts in Arby's, you might be doing ghosts in Arthur's Dent. Uh, sure. Because this this is just a wild slice for getting out and getting stuff done. Uh, really good for cultural traits. Yep. Uh, uh, I think it's really good for for, else. for anybody that is. I think this is the slice. That if you are planning on going for Mechatol, this is probably the best staging area for that. Oh, Lodor yeah. is probably the only planet that neighbors Mechatol where it worth would be while. worthwhile to put a space dock on it and yep. then stage straight from there. Anybody yeah. else trying to do that? Like Saudor is a 2-2 and all the rest of them it's are 1s. Okay. Right. Um, 
So yeah, and this was kind of true even before, because I believe this is kind of similar to the setup in the prelims as far as what planets are uh, adjacent to Mechatol. Right. Um, it just feels more true on this map, mostly because I think it's going to be more of a bloodbath. So yeah. having uh, a good staging area right next to Mechatol will be a huge deal. I'll say this about Arthur's Dent. The strangest thing about it to me is you have no guaranteed tech skips and the only tech skip even really very close to you is the green skip on New Albion. Everyone yes. else has yeah. two tech skips, one in their slice and one equidistant, uh, except for Arthur's I'm Dent. Anticipating, so Arthur's Dent has a tech skip I'm problem. anticipating this slice being actually really, really, really good for the Necro. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Could I be. I agree with that. It's, um, it's, got, it's got good value to it um, compared to some of the others, but then yeah, the tech, the tech, the tech skip thing will be a problem, and, but not obviously not an and, issue for And that being way. able to fly through that uh, gravity rift to snipe off uh, you know, the odd carrier or cruiser yep. or something from, from mm -hmm. Arby's. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be Arby's. great. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think the relationship between Arby's and Arthur's Dent is going to be uh, probably the wildest, I feel like, yeah. neighbor-wise. Uh, Bento Box, obviously, is going to be pretty tame. Revenge of the Gashly is probably going to get mixed up and kind of maybe more of a sad slice. Yeah, um, I well, don't know. Before what's we can cover all, yeah, influence. before we can cover all the relationships, let's talk about our final slice. There's lots of slices in this pie. Mm -hmm. um, some of them are crazy, right, like right. Arthur's Dent and Arby's. Right. Some of them are are kind of boxed in. You got your bento box, but some of them are yeah, just what? a classic, just a classic pepperoni slice. Yeah, classic pepperoni. Just, just your, you can't go wrong with a classic pepperoni. How dare you introduce this one? Because this is my baby. This is this is your joke. Hunt, Do you want to take it again? Uh, what's, what's Hunter's introduction sound like to this to this one? Uh, the last one is called classic pepperoni. <laughs> good. Very good. Yeah, um, I did, nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> nailed um, it. So classic pepperoni is uh, an asteroid field on your right and the empty beta wormhole on your left. In front of you is Tekaran Torkan, the 2-0 and the 0-3. And on your path to Mechatol is Thibba, the 1-1 with a blue skip. Uh, your right equidistant is Starpoint New Albion. And your left equidistant is Barrig Lerda 4. Yeah. Uh, this one just, like, this kind of has it all. I'm going to say right out the gate, if every single draft does not go, player number one picks this slice, they're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, you better have a slice. very specific game plan if you do not if the first thing that, that happens is this slice getting picked. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean it's it's efficient. Tech around Torcan is a great system. Um you have a free command counter right outside your home system, plus there are two resources. You have the best resource value uh system <coughs> on your left equidistant. You have one of the you know, I would say the third best system in the game to me is Starpoint New Albion. The numbers don't necessarily support sure, that, yeah. but I think Starpoint New Albion is amazing. Mm -hmm. um, you have a green and a blue skip. The two best tech paths in the game yep, yep, are green yep. and blue. Uh, really, the only the only thing that hurts this one is that empty beta wormhole that gives you direct access to Arby's. So more or less, you are neighbors with Revenge of the Gashly and Arthur's Dent, but you are also just as many systems away from Arby's home system. So you yep. have three neighbors. Yeah, uh, the other thing, the other thing is you kind of got a rough shot when it comes to planet types. Not super yeah. great. Uh, Hazardous is maybe doable, but you need both equidistance to do it. Both equidistance and then one more additional. So they are kind of the only ones super in that situation. Actually, there's another one in that situation we already talked yeah. about. But um, yeah, I think it's probably best overall in like a really simple way, but not necessarily uh, that's, you know, it's not like the others are horrible and then this one is just really good. It's just this no. one is kind of de facto 
better. Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's classic pepperoni. It feels like anybody, you you could pick this first because you could get any faction here and still be okay. And it'd probably be fine. You can just yeah. take this and be fine. The only reason you do any other slice is because you picked your faction first and you're you're ending up somewhere. But classic pepperoni is like, I can take this and I will probably do just fine. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're drafting, you know, I, I don't know how these semis drafts are going to go. I suspect they'll be different than our prelims drafts just because of people knowing what the strengths of the map are and like the ideas of what is good has shifted a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I really think classic pepperoni is going to be kind of the go-to. I think this map is going to be more debatable in general though. And, oh, for sure. And of course, as always, uh, we totally invite that. Please uh, rip yes. it to pieces. Uh, yeah. Like, like we said before, it's not like we're going to, the goal of this map is not to perfectly balance it. Uh, right. But if you got something, if you if you think you've got something there are that be, fits maybe with the spirit, yeah. yeah. If you've got something that goes with the spirit of this map that fixes it, please throw it out. And also, just like you know, I mean, I always love a good complaint. So go ahead and yeah, yeah, throw but, throw them out but, there. But my big encouragement to people is like more or less, this is the map. So don't. What always gets me about criticism of of sometimes these maps is like people want to just shift it into something they like more and not necessarily something that actually fixes it. The reason we made the fixes on the last map was because they were they legitimately fixed what we were trying to do. They saw what we were trying to do and they went, well, why didn't you do this instead? Because it improves on that idea. Mm -hmm. um, just shifting things around because you wish the numbers were slightly different. Like all of these slices, I'll say this much, uh, the, 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 the version of it that Hunter and Root and I are looking at right now is covered in numbers that are numbers that I have calculated like 900 times to figure out if this map is balanced. And I'll say this much, total values between all systems, including equidistance, everything, all of your slices are within four numbers of each other. That's collected resource and influence value. They're all right. within four with your equidistance and your pie slices included. They're all within two resources of every slice individually. So like none of these numbers are far off. This is not a grossly imbalanced map. Every, all of the imbalances are like nuance imbalances, right? Things right. we're talking about of like weird inefficiencies rather than like this one has six resources and this one has one resource. That doesn't, that's not here. This isn't, right. that's right. not what this is. Yeah, what I like about it is it's balanced, but it's impossible. It's, it's a balanced map if no one plays on it. Like it, yeah. <laughs> it, can only be a, it can only be a balanced map with no players. Um, right. With players, it w cannot goes be balanced. Absolutely haywire. Yeah, there will absolutely be no way. Apart. You will not be able to divide this up ba in a way that is balanced. Even if everyone takes their left equidistant, it yep. will not be balanced. Still not that will throw it completely out of whack. Right. Um, you are forced into the center and you are forced into each other on yeah. this map. There it's are only like, two directions and it is towards everybody else on I wanna, this map. I want to throw this out there too, like just in, just in case those of you who might try and tear this map a new one and like have some fix, which again, I am totally encouraging you to do. If you find something good, we totally would love to steal it and just have it in the map. Um, but I feel like the best, the way I'm thinking about this map is every slice is including the equidistance. We're just gonna pretend as if you can get all of those planets that right. are available to you, even though we know you can't. And as yes. long as that's balanced for every slot- It's up to then you it to should... figure out the rest. Yeah, yeah. see, like, like that's, that's the idea. So then you, you it's basically guaranteeing that uh, it's balanced, but there's no way you're gonna be able to do it all. So right. it won't be, it will right. not be. 
impossibly balanced. Um, one, one thing I will say, the only thing that, like, I, my favorite slice uh, is obviously classic pepperoni because the name is so great. Um, <laughs> but I, I am kind of a little bit bummed that there's, like, kind of a de facto best. Um, yeah. And if you've got an argument for why it's actually not, it's actually bad and we're idiots, that's well, fine, too. I'll, I'll say this much. I'll say this much, though. Like, so many people, myself included, thought Slice of the Gashlight was best. And, and it was did not did not prove to be. But talking about the numbers, it's worth noting, tournament-wise, this is only going to get played three times, guys. Yeah, yeah. This, the, the prelims is the only round with lots of... Like, the prelims map is the only thing we will have done that's going to get, like, the numbers that we got out of it. This is going to get three games and then we move on to the knockout round. We play a five player five player map with three games and then we have a finals map that is one game. Yeah. So these maps are not nearly as like the function of them is not like to be played by every. Obviously, I would love people to play on this map for a long time and and that's why it exists, but for this tournament like the intent of it is like hey, we expect these 18 very good players to know how what their what their plan is on this really tough map. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Boy howdy. Did we talk? <laughs> we we did the thing we said we would Ooh, do. Boy. Um do we Can need to I? do errata? Is there errata? Do we have to do errata? Uh, what was last week's episode? Just, nah, just there's no errata. <laughs> no, just it really was stuff. just tournament updates. Um, I am going to tell you that you should go to Space Cats Pod uh, on Twitter, at Space Cats Pod, for game updates and announcements, and also our Facebook, Space Cats Peace Turtles, for announcements, and you can ask me questions at 2 a.m. Uh, go to our, <laughs> uh, go to the Twilight Imperium subreddit for posts and discussion. Uh, our board game geek has Robofish there. Uh, Patreon, uh, if you want to be a part of this show and help us achieve our goals. Uh, we haven't talked about this much yet, but like Gen Con's been happening kind of behind the scenes of all of this. We're we're prepping all of our stuff for Gen Con this year. I know you don't have a Gen Con video to, to like show for last year, but like it is, it is gonna come out. This tournament has just like crushed my schedule, but I'll, the prelims being over helps a lot because the burden of the prelims was like we have to do a million games every single weekend but these next few rounds are actually going to be taken a little bit slower so mm -hmm. i'm going to have some free time again and uh, i'm trying to get this thing out uh the one year anniversary of our uh patreon is actually the day after this episode comes out february 20th Aww. so like the the day we decided to uh like open up a patreon so we could go to gen con we're a one year away from that mark and i intend to have that video to you obviously before the next gen con <laughs> that would be ridiculous if it took me that long but certainly long before that it's going to be coming soon uh Please also go to our Discord for fun conversations. You can get in on all the tournament discussion that's been happening, and you can get some of your Patreon benefits, like organizing our Good Yin Brotherhood games, which we have one this weekend. Very excited. Hunter, you and I get to play the board game that we talk about. Not over together, and over and over though. Again. We don't, we're not playing together. We're not yeah. playing together. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> uh, you can rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Um, and I want to thank some Patreoners. Uh, our Space Kitties, I want to thank Box, Jim Bob. Frederick Durston, Patience is a Virtue, and Nathan Swenson. Oh. Hey, wait. Got do we have a play of the week? I've got a quick play of the week set up. Oh, already. you do? Wow. How? Here wow. we go. You're fast. Um, this one is brought to you by Joey Schofield, who did play in the tournament. So this is a tournament player's play of the week. Wait, it's a Joey, quick one. like uh, from the Gen Con? No, that's a different Joey. Joey. Oh, okay. That's not Gen Con Joey. Um, so. Gen Con Joey. <laughs> <laughs> play of the week is... Arborek somehow crawls from one point at the end of the third round 
to eight points at the end of round six. The new stage two objective is to discard six command counters, and Arborek has just enough. At the end of the status phase, he plays political stability to keep Imperial, guaranteeing his victory in the first round of turns, we should say. The next round, first, first round of turns. Two sabotages have been played. Arborek shares that he has the two remaining sabotages, so no one sabotages the political stability. But the agenda phase reveals Ixthian Artifact. Hakan, whose entire fleets are on and around Mechatol, reluctantly agrees that we have to take down the Arborek. The rest of the table thinks that this means that uh, Hakan needs lightwave deflectors, infantry too, or something else for the inevitable invasion of Arborek's home. Risking everything, our Hakan gets the table to vote for Ixthian Artifact, and he rolls the die. It's a six, which means we get the tech. But then... Hakan researches up to Quantum Data Hub node, which was only possible due to a previously thought useless agenda giving one of Hakan's planets a yellow tech skip. Hakan then pulls off his own great surprise by taking Imperial from Arborek and wins in the action phase of the next round. Wow. That's awesome. That's a good one. That's, That's a really good, good one. Wow. <laughs> Tricks the whole table and uh, giving him the vote to sacrifice That's his own stuff. So and cool. scores the dice or the yeah the the coin flip. I love. God, it. I I love. I oh, I wish I could have been that person and just <laughs> pretended like oh we're in dire straits. But uh, if, if if only you would all be willing to do this, then perhaps 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 we can slow him down. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, play. I would have really played that up. That's all right. Well. Um, next time we uh, get into this, we won't have a semis game this coming weekend, but like, let's get this map happening. If there's any changes, we need the changes pretty fast. So next week's episode, if there are any changes, they'll be displayed in that. And then we're into the semis. Wow. Uh, so get ready, guys. We got, we've got one weekend off, and then we have to get back to our job. My body is almost ready. Yes. <laughs> My body is prepped. Uh, Alec, Alec literally broke his back for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait! Well, I I want to thank Alec for being on the show. I really hey, do. Thank you, Alec, oh, for being on the I'm show. I'm happy to finally be on. I'll never be able to thank Alec enough. Thanks for being in the gauntlet with us uh, through these prelims. I'm I'm glad the next few rounds are going to be easier and more. Um, I'll say more fun. We've been having our fun, but it's been a it's, it's been, a been a slog. People people who too. watch the videos will have noticed by now that I get I get a little <laughs> grumpy Alec at the end of games sometimes. Mind, right? <laughs> That's true. Uh, hey, wait! Are we still in the show? Or, oh shoot! I I gotta turn it off right now. Are we in the show right still? Oh my gosh. No, no, we gotta we're turn not, it off. We're right not we're not in the show, are we still? I thought we were just hanging out, but are we in the show? Do we have to stay in the show? Do I have to stay? At, are you guys still here? Hey, I can't hear you guys. Hey, are we still in the show? Do I have to turn the show off yet? I don't understand. You guys are just like talking. Are you guys talking without me? I don't understand. I guess we're not in the show anymore. I guess I don't know. I guess I'll just go then. All right. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>